1: Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw, the positive wrestling podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. My name is Jim Smorman. I am your host. I am a stand-up comedian. I am a professional wrestling promoter. I'm a writer. Um, But the most important thing is, just like you, I'm a wrestling fan. I mean, if you're not a wrestling fan, this podcast probably isn't for you. But thanks for downloading it anyway. Probably helps the statistics. Um, this week it's a Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episode with the incredibly talented and genuinely wonderful human being that is Flash Morgan Webster. Um, he's got uh, an awesome documentary coming out this Wednesday, which I've seen, um, which we talk about a fair bit about his uh, the road to recovery after he, he got injured in a progress ring last year um uh, he's also got a wonderful podcast called uh, the wrestling friends podcast uh, which you should be listening to and you probably already do listen to if you listen to this and you're a fan of of wrestling be it british or otherwise um uh, and he's just he's a great dude to chat to. He's someone I've been looking forward to talking to for a while and the opportunity came up to do it this week to coincide with the release uh of uh, of his documentary. So um yeah, it's great to sit and have a chat with him. Uh super grateful to his girlfriend Jordan as well um uh, for um for being completely and utterly fine with uh sitting around and waiting while we chatted around for a couple of hours. Um uh, so thank you uh to her for uh, for her patience. Um a few plugs before we get into the podcast itself. Uh, me, my website, jimsmorman. dot com. Uh, going to do a tour later in the year, so um, make sure you follow me on Twitter at jimsmorman uh, is my Twitter handle. If you are going to tweet me about wrestling, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw so I know it's to do with wrestling and not comedy or football or video games or the various other things that I tend to tweet about. Um, my website has all my gigs on. It has uh, my last Edinburgh show, My Girls, which you can download for $5 if you feel like giving, uh, giving me $5 of your hard-earned cash to watch an hour of me doing stand-up. It um, has links to, uh, if you want to recommend people listen to this podcast, com slash tnj is where you will point people in order for them to know all the relevant places to download and all that jazz. Um, uh, and you can see where I'm performing, all that sort of stuff. My little wrestling company, I'm co-owner of uh, Progress Wrestling. We have a show this coming Sunday, April the 23rd. It's already sold out. Sold out in about 90 seconds. Thanks for that. Um, but we have a show in London. Um, uh, we also uh, have Super Strong Style 16, our big three day tournament coming up at the end of May, also sold out. Uh, we have a show in Manchester on May the 14th, also sold out. Sorry about that. But if you want to watch the shows online, you can. Demand progress.com. You can even see our show from Orlando and our joint show with Evolve from Orlando as well, as well as the last two shows from Manchester and from London. They're all up on demand progress.com. It's roughly about a fiver a month. And progresswrestling.com is the website that you need for ticket information and merchandise, all that lovely stuff that we do. Um, We might be telling people about our next big September show soon, maybe. So, you know, kind of keep across all of our various channels to learn about that. Um, That's the plugs out of the way. Anyway, Flash has some plugs. Make sure you listen to them at the end of the podcast. Uh, Make sure you're following him on Twitter and checking out uh, his documentary when it becomes available on Wednesday he'll be tweeting about it and putting it on his Instagram and on his Facebook so make sure you're following him um, but uh, yeah listen to his plugs and listen to his story he's a good dude got a lot of time for him always been impressed with him backstage always been impressed with him in the ring Um and he's a, he's a good guy he's one of the good fellas he's one of our guys you know what I mean me and you he's one of our guys dear listener that's how they teach you to do local radio I'm not comfortable with it but you know what I mean he's one of our guys he's a wrestling fan he's a dude he went from the backyards to being a wrestler he, what, what a great story but honestly check out his documentary on Wednesday and check out me and him having a chat now in the meantime so you've got a bit of a flavour for it ready to watch that when it comes out on Wednesday uh, I'll catch you on the other side uh, enjoy see you in a bit we should um, we should call this one When Podcasts Collide
0: we should or oh, the, oh, the day of the killer podcast had <laughs> <laughs> another go. <game. laughs> You had that prepared, didn't I you? I had. I'd thought about it all the oh. drive
1: here. Um, hey, Flash Morgan Webster.
0: Hey, Jim. How's it going?
1: I'm good, thanks. Um, describe where we are, because this is this is one of the best. So we are
0: currently. I'm going to go quickly just cutting the light on because mm. I don't want to start getting dark. So we are currently in my girlfriend's artist studio. So if anyone has seen uh, Chris Brooks's lovely leather jacket, my Parker, of course, and Kenny Williams's uh, Back to the Future jacket, she's done all that. And she also did loads of those uh, time lapse uh, artist drawings as well, uh, wrestler drawings. Oh, nice. So uh,
1: yeah, it's um, having. I like I like places like this purely because I have no artistic talent. <laughs> so I'm alright at writing stuff, but um, I can't. I can draw stickmen, um, and that's the limit of my my ambitions. And, and you're you're quite artistic as well,
0: aren't you? Got a uh, first class honours in fine art and visual concept. Nice. So that's uh, that is fine art, of course, and then the psychology of why we are drawn to certain things and the way that our bodies react to colour and image.
1: Do you think that has an effect on you as a wrestler? Hundred <laughs> percent.
0: I'm. I. So I. So I come kind of from a small Welsh town. Uh, single mother. Nobody leaves the town gym. Like mm. everybody. I'm saying this, I'm from the same town as Adrian Street. So uh, <laughs> nobody leaves apart from Adrian Street, myself, and Hitch. Yeah. Um, but nobody leaves there. and I was going to go to university, and then I didn't. I thought I'll get a job, I'll start becoming a wrestler, and it just plateaued. Wrestling scene yeah. six years ago, nothing around, mm. and the only way for me to get out of the valleys was to go to university, and that's all I wanted to, use to do: yeah. get, out the, get out the valleys and go wrestle. It wasn't until and for that first year I just coasted through university as much as I could and then the second year I went and saw this piece and it might not mean a lot to anyone else but it was The End by Ed Ruscha. and it's a big piece that has the words The End and it's 16 foot by 18 I think which is the same size as an old school cinematic uh, cinema screen or whatever yeah, yeah, so yeah, I, remember, yeah. I remember walking in this room and just being completely overwhelmed by it and and it was the first time that art had proper spoke to me. Mm. And from there then, I started kind of really started understanding the psychology and the fundamentals in conceptual art. And then I started looking at performance art. And the more I started looking at performance art, I realised that the parallels between wrestling and performance arts, when artists will... There's a thing called relational aesthetics. So you will create an artwork. And it's not a painting. The artwork is a conversation. A mm. conversation you're having with a viewer. The art, So it's a conversation between... The artist and the spectator, and that's exactly what we do with wrestling. Mm. I have a conversation with the viewers or the or the fans through my wrestling. I can I convey that story. I don't get to the ring and just tell them, "Well, this is my story." I try to tell them the stories through the medium of wrestling. Yeah. Now, a lot of people probably listen to going That's a load of bollocks. <laughs>
1: no, but I <laughs> but, think, but this is something I, I, I've discussed when I've been guests on podcasts. So the way that Progress was formed is it's three people who aren't wrestlers. Yeah but are all entertainers of a sort. So John was John's always been a promoter and has always been good at managing managing careers and and, and helping, certainly me, when I was a brand new comedian, helped me get to the next level yeah. and helped me go full-time professional. So he, he's always got that sense of the entertainment world, has always understood it and understood how television works and, and things like that. And Glenn, as well as being an actor, is a director and a writer, and me, as well as being a comedian, I've directed my own Edinburgh shows and, and helped other people with theirs. And, and, and I think... Our uh, our creative worlds has helped shape our little wrestling company, which is why we have storylines because yes. because we can do them, and not every independent wrestling company in the world has storylines. Yes. you know, so it, it's I think there is always a, a, a deeper. I'll use Jimmy Havoc as an example. Jimmy's really into films. Yeah, and you the minute you know this, and you look at how he's put his career together, certainly in the last few years, and you go, oh yeah. That makes perfect sense, of course. And I was listening to, um, listening to someone. Uh, I think it was a Big cast on Chris Jericho's podcast the other day, and he was talking about how Dusty Rhodes used to ask people in promo class at the Performance Center for WWE what films they'd watched that week or if they'd read books that week. So, so they were being influenced by art as well as real life, as well as real life and as well as as mainstream entertainment. He was as interested in people watching an art house film as he was watching. Watching a major blockbuster. That's, that's really
0: interesting, because I'll watch films, and a film will connect or touch me, and then, literally, I'll be, maybe, walking to the gym, and I'll have promo, 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 mm. promo, because one of my favourite ones was down in Triple X, and it was the week that Robin Williams passed away, mm. and my favourite film of all time is Good Will Hunting, that's my favourite film, and the park bench scene with Robin Williams and Matt Damon at that point is my favourite scene in any film, mm. and I can remember just, what, what's our film the week he died? And then she had so many ideas coming from that. So I think that's funny that Dusty, being one of the greatest promos of all time, approaches it in the same way that a small boy from all the, the world's <laughs> values
1: does. I, I remember, not I'd not known you for that long, and I think you'd not maybe been that long wrestling for progress. And I remember being in Newport, Doing a kids' gig one afternoon and seeing a poster for a wrestling show that there was a picture of you and Hitch was on it. Yeah, well. uh, and I remember thinking, "Oh, brilliant!" Because in my head, even though I know you're Welsh, yeah, it's, it, I, I'd only ever seen you in London. Yeah, <laughs> so it, I still couldn't quite grasp because um, you don't you don't live in Wales anymore, do you? I have, so, I've
0: lived in the Midlands now for five years. Yeah, so, yeah. so
1: is that because did you move it for university? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's yeah, just whenever I see. I mean, because obviously, any wrestling poster will have El Ligero on it, <laughs> and he wasn't on this, one. Um, but you and Hitch were. So, um, so growing up in a in a in a small village in Wales, which I can empathise with because my my dad's family from a small village in Wales, Wales as well, and I now live in a small village <laughs> in Wales. North Wales. So, um, you obviously started watching wrestling at a young age. Can you remember the f- you remember the first wrestling match that you ever watched? Or the ever or the first wrestler that ever spoke to you, and it, it could be someone that you instantly realised like a couple of years in. No, it's not for me, but it, it, I think everyone. I mean, I've had Johnny Saint on here, and he was the first wrestler that, that blew my mind. Yeah, but I'm quite a bit older than most most wrestlers, who certainly worth progress. So, um, is was there a sort of first wrestler that you ever?
0: No, we we didn't have we were quite poor. We didn't have Sky and stuff like that. But how I got into wrestling was SmackDown Two. That's how I got. Into Isn't that amazing. So that's but literally my friend, and it was uh, it was a chipped PlayStation Two. So we nice. could get the games for five pound.
1: Be very and... careful with them on a carpeted floor because they will melt. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Yes, <laughs> uh, I went through several uh, Playstations. Oh, I used God. to chip them so I could play import games, and I knew how to do it myself. So I used to do it with soldering iron. But I nearly burnt my house down. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bright.
0: Well, I used to a Smackdown 2 game and it used to, uh, it would always glitch at King of the Ring unless you turned the PlayStation, not PlayStation 2, it's PlayStation 1, unless you turned the PlayStation upside down. Brilliant. And then it, for some reason, worked. But if you turned it back over, the game was freezing. The right?
1: fact that you had to, the fact that you, presumably, it glitched like a dozen th- times before you worked out, if I turn it upside down. Somebody in school down, told and... me, something's like, you <laughs> turn it upside down. It's like when you do the single cheat on Pokemon Reds. It's like, what's this? <laughs> um, do you know what's weird? Is, is I was thinking about this the other day, and, and I've told people that 1998, I, I remember watching Mick Foley being thrown off the cage during King of the Ring when I was flicking through Sky at my parents' house yeah. and, and got, getting back into wrestling, which I've been away from for a bit. But also, there was a video game involved with me as well. It was on the N64. It was WCW NWO Revenge. And that was when I first became aware of wrestlers like Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho. And it was then I went and did take trading to, to, um, to really sort of get a, a, a sense of, of the wrestlers that I was watching. Because it, it's weird how video games can be people's route into something. Well, it,
0: my movie so I, I did that and I remember like, oh, this is brilliant. So I, it was my friends I lent and then I got my own. Mm. And then my mum's friend came in, she, I think she came upstairs one day and she could hear the music. So she came in. She goes, oh, I, I record this and I watched it. So she started bringing videotapes nice. down for me. So this was this was brilliant. But I got really upset because when I used to walk, play on the video games, my two favorite wrestlers were S.A. Rios and Scotty Too Hotty, right? I love it. Just the worm on the game. Just the <laughs> right? So when I finally got to watch proper wrestling and watched it, and realized that these two were the greatest wrestlers of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I was really disappointed. And then, of course, I it probably would have been WrestleMania. I think I, I, think I called it just after 16... And then the lead up to Seventeen and completely just fell in love with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Which is acceptable. Who, who, who doesn't, exactly. But, and I think it was just, was just everything about him. And then my mum did two and say to me a couple of years later. She went, can you remember you had this Ultimate Warrior doll? And I went, no. And she kind of showed it to me and I was like, is that Ultimate Warrior? And she was like, yeah. And I apparently was one of my favourites. Oh. And she was like, I think we might have had Sky when I was like, I have no recollection. But when we were younger and I loved it. And I used to be captivated by the wrestling, but i can 't remember any of that
1: so I think that the interesting thing with kids, especially when they 're little, is if you put wrestling on it 's bright and it 's loud, and if you 're a kid, especially if the grown ups around you are even slightly into it yeah. you 're going to look at it and go, Wow, see for me, when I was little, we had world of sport not and uh, not wwe yeah, yeah. and it was, which was why a lot of it didn 't resonate with me because it wasn 't super super exciting. It was only people like Johnny Saint and Ro Barocco who did. Um, but I remember the first time I ever saw WWE, which would have been about 1987, maybe 1988, when I was nine or ten, and it blew my mind then. So being an even smaller kid, it would have, it, it, if I'd have seen WWE when I was like three or four, it would have got, it would have absolutely blown me away. And but I always had the, I always had the knowledge of British wrestling because that's that's yeah. what I watched every weekend with my with my grandma. So that was always there, whereas. WWE kind of kind of came and drifted in and out whereas wrestlers of, of your, your generation I mean you know, I think we're probably the same generation just a fair <laughs> age gap the, the, it's I find it really interesting that, that it is just it's it's WWE and presumably for the first few years of you being in I mean, how old were you when you really started getting into it do you reckon?
0: It, uh, the more I saw it like I'm talking when I was like 10 mm-hmm. I would have saw the built for 9, Nine Ten. I would have seen the build for WrestleMania 17 and yeah. I was hooked I was yeah. hooked I was also
1: the best WrestleMania of all time
0: yeah of course so <laughs> since, since then I've we're been champs. like I've since then I've been like come on guys you've got to got beat this one
1: <laughs> it's um, yeah my my first WrestleMania was WrestleMania 6 which had Warrior Hogan which is a tremendous main event yeah yeah uh, f- genuinely f- brilliant um, especially uh, if you were a child whatever, that all, that's two superheroes clashing totally Um, but was there a point when in your sort of in your teens where you thought oh, I love this wrestling? I wonder if there's any other wrestling. What was the point where where other wrestling sort of came into your consciousness apart from just WWE? So anyone who would, anyone
0: who's H will tell you this right mm. that I uh, anyone who met me up until a couple of years ago. If you mentioned anything, I would try to relate it back to wrestling because I was just obsessed. <laughs> so you would be like, "Oh, eating your food like oh, this chicken isn't cooked; it's raw." Did you see raw last week? <laughs> like I was all I loved it. I just wanted to talk about wrestling as much as I could. So I like there was this guy in my school called Dan, and he was, for lack of a better word, a golf, and I'd never seen a golf before. Mm. And I was, he's weird, isn't he? And then I kind of found out he liked wrestling, so we started becoming oh, friends. <laughs> well he was in he was probably into his indie stuff, I didn't know anything about this. Yeah. So I remember going down his uh, house and he put on uh, Ring of Honor, so he put on Loki and Amazing Red, the one with all the kicks and all the ducks, oh. that's the first thing I ever oh, saw. Oh mate! So when I got to ma- when I got to wrestle Amazing Red, I was like, then you kick me and I'll duck and I'll red star and you red star and I was like when I hit, when you hit the red star on me there's a picture and I'm smiling at to you. <laughs> Because he was the first introduction to independent yeah. wrestling, and I could just be like, "What is this?" And then from there, I uh, I was just going down his every week. And there's a thing I think I spoke last week with, with Jigsaw but There's a thing called the the MV Zone where people used to make yes. music videos. You, yeah, yeah. yeah MV. I've seen loads. So of them. so we Dan used to just download that on dial ups, used to take hours, <laughs> and then he'd uh, show me when I used to go down his and watch the collection. of probably. Over the course, he downloaded probably two in a week because it took so long. But I just watched these videos and I was like, "This is this is mental. This mm. is absolutely crazy." And I've just, I think it just from there, I just wanted to see as much as I possibly could. And I think maybe the wrestling channel started becoming maybe a bit of a thing there as I, well. I remember
1: seeing clips of Ring of Honor on the wrestling channel because they used to do the same trails pretty much in every ad break, and they used to do one with Jack Evans in all. the yep. time. and oh, I would see him and go, "Oh my god, that looks amazing." And then just started ordering DVDs and whatever from, from overseas. It's weird. It's like you were saying with, the, with Amazing Red, when I was driving Samoa Joe around when he did Progress, it was just me, me saying to him, do you know what? I'd like, I've like I watched so much of your stuff <laughs> and you were such a big reason for me getting really back into wrestling in the early noughties. And uh, it's, it's just he must hear it a lot. He was, was cool about it. But it's, but it's still... No matter how involved I am with wrestling, there's still moments that blow my mind. And it's, and it's as a rule, it's it's people who, I think it's the really mind-blowing things are, are people who mean something to you. So, like, you getting WrestleMania Wrestle Amazing Red is going to mean loads to you. Uh, whereas I could beat the biggest star in the world. Like, it, it's... It, the, the things that really, really set set stories apart are when you... When someone means something to you, I think. Um,
0: well, I'm... When I was... I used to be, like... We'll go back and talk about backhand. Yeah, but I was part of a backyard wrestling forum and my password on the forum was uh London and then my date of birth. Yeah. And the reason it was London is when I really started getting into the Ring of Honor, I loved Paul London. Yeah. Right? I was the biggest Paul London fan. All I wanted to learn to do was shoot star press. That's all I wanted <laughs> to learn to do, right? Was shooting star press. So I was doing a show with Paul London, and he comes in, and if you've met Paul, he's the coolest guy ever, right? And I was very much like, oh nice to meet you. My hand like this is sick. Okay. and then I had a match it was me Liguero and you uh, Harnation who's now Apollo Cruz. and we did the spot where I backflip and Apollo catches me on the shoulder and I hit the tornado DDT and then I hit a red star straight away I come backstage and Paul London is losing his mind <laughs> and Mason. Paul London is like you're sick and I just go I'm your biggest fan <laughs> and he's just like and he just goes he goes what's your Twitter I'm like it's this he's like I'm going to follow you and I'm like I'd say I'll follow you back, but I'm already following you. <laughs> and then like every now and again, he likes certain tweets of mine. And I'll be honest, if somebody asked me the week, if you could have anyone who, on the podcast, who would it be? And I was like, it's going to be Paul Lendland. Yeah, And that will be my, I'll probably when I'll stop doing it. So, but Paul, that was the moment. And Hitch as well messaged me when he met. I'm a biggest Christopher Daniels fan as well. Wow. I'm a huge Christopher Daniels fan. And Hitchman messaged me and said, Christopher Daniels just came in marking out over the trackkeeper. And I was like, this is the sickest day of my life and it's happening to you. (laughs)
1: uh, There's something really, really cool about that, isn't there? It's just, I mean, people get into wrestling because they want to be wrestlers. Yeah. But then when you get the chance to work with people that you've admired, at whatever level, it's it's always going to be mind-blowing. It's something I can only, I can empathise with it from a comedic point of view because I've done stand-up gigs with people who are genuine heroes. Yeah. um, But it's not the same. I'm not, you I'm know, not on stage with them at the same time. Do you
0: get, it, though, that when you're in... If you had people who are big heroes, would you be told not to act like a fan around them? Would you be told to just be really professional? No, I mean, it's kind of...
1: I suppose in a wrestling locker room it's different because there's probably 16, 16 to 20 people wrestling on any one given show. So you're all in a locker room of varying varying levels of niceness I've over- learned yeah. in various venues. Um so I suppose there's, there's some people who are going to sit and be quiet. Whereas with stand-up, there's only ever normally three or four of you oh, stage. Okay. And, and if you're ever doing a gig in a big theatre and there's someone probably famous on they've probably got their own dressing room. So, the, the, But what you find with comedians is they don't like being on their own, so they'll come and sit with, and you, and out with you and chat with you and sort of shoot the breeze with you and want to learn a bit, a bit about you. But in, with a couple of exceptions, who I will not name, I'll tell you later. Um, nearly every super famous comedian I've worked with has been nice, yeah. And every one of my heroes that I've worked with has been beyond lovely. Oh, that's great. But it's a different thing. I'm not like getting to wrestle someone who's your hero is. I think that's completely different because it's your your kind of you're, you're trusting. You're trust you trust in them, and you, but also there's that thing of if, if you're you getting to learn from the person, yeah, one of the people who made you a fan in the first yeah. place is, is really powerful.
0: I think it's that, and it's also like if you if you have an idea and they have an idea and then together in the ring it comes together and gets a reaction. And it's like if you if they have not saying they have the best of DVD, but by the end of their career, you've been a part of their career, yeah. And they were a part of yours getting into it, so it's almost like a full circle and stuff like that's really cool. But I will say that you are kind of told when you get into wrestling as well, like when you meet bigger and famous wrestlers, you're told like don't act like a mark. Mm. And you're told like you 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 go in and you shake their hand and you, you like you don't act like a fan. So and that happened a few times. I met a few people, and you just gone, "Hey, how's it going?" And you try not to get across mm. the inside. You are this is fucking mental." But,
1: but I've, I've, when I've been backstage at stuff, and I've, I've I've been introduced to people, I'm like, "I really want to take a photo," but I know I'm not exactly. Busy. And it, I find the, the the sort of the etiquette for wrestlers is quite, in some ways. So I brought my nephew to a show, who's 16, and. He's not a massive wrestling quite quite likes it, but he's not a massive wrestling fan I was kind of just hanging out with him and said, do "You want to come come down to london and what he noticed when he came in because because everyone comes into a show and uh, and shakes hands with me and all the all the trainees who do ring crew shake hands with me and and you well, shook, shook your hands and, but, <laughs> but people coming up to him and going. How are you? And shaking his hand. Yeah. And, and at the beginning, he was like, "This is really weird because he's not ever been in that environment." Yeah, of course. By the end of it, he was—he actually found himself slightly more confident because he was—he was expecting people to come up to him and he was saying, "Hello, my name's is Bradley," and, and introduce and saying, oh, "I'm Jim's nephew." And and he, by the end of it, it was like, oh, "I met loads of cool people today." I'm like that. I said, "But that's what wrestlers do. Is you see people that if I go to the pro show or I go to any other training school, people will come up to me and shake my hand, and it and, it, and it's nice." I don't feel people, people shouldn't feel compelled to do it to me because I'm I'm a promoter. I just think it, I like that etiquette yeah. of, you know, in the same way that I always, I always try and make sure I ask how people are doing and, and make sure people are all right after their matches and stuff because it's, that's what I think my etiquette should the be. The weird one
0: is though, is when people shake hands or hug and they're going to see each other tomorrow. Mm. That's the weirdest one. Because if you're at work, you wouldn't hug somebody and say, I'll see you tomorrow, mate. So yeah. that's weird. Sometimes you're like, oh, catch you tomorrow. And it's, I think it's just probably out of routine that you you do that anyway you mm-hmm. shake hands and oh, if you're on good terms hug people really
1: so uh, so the backyarding thing that you mentioned now I I know I know about this for two reasons um, uh, one reason is uh, for uh, a documentary that I've seen yep because you've let me see it yep that comes out this Wednesday yep Wednesday um, uh, which in fact before we get into the backyarding thing just it, We'll talk more about the documentary in detail in a while, but just sort of explain the documentary and and, and what's going to be happening on
0: Wednesday. Okay, so if this goes out Tuesday, wasn't so it'll be tomorrow. So uh, I got I was involved. If anyone who doesn't know, I was involved in a cruiserweight classic qualifying match for uh, Progress Wrestling. Uh, In that match, I sustained two injuries: one minor fractured ankle, and then a torn labrum of the shoulder. And I met a guy a month before then he was at your call and he just wanted to do a seven minute vignette piece on me that's mm-hmm. all you want to do It's like this will be great and we get a lot of people kind of email us and go yeah, your face is not <laughs> oh, and they yeah. go I want to do this documentary and you're like okay, okay. and when you first get into wrestling it's great and mm-hmm. then by the time you get to your
1: 50th documentary you're like yeah. you, you learn you learn that in some cases people genuinely love wrestling they're genuinely good filmmakers yeah. like the guy who's made this documentary for you and the guy Dale who's making the yeah. This Is Progress documentary those guys brilliant But then for every one of those guys, there are 50 people who just want to come and watch wrestling for free. (laughs) And also, but
0: some of them want to create something and you're a bit like, I'm I'm sorry, but like a couple of years ago maybe I would have done this, but Mm. now the standard of British wrestling and what we put out is so high that it has to meet that. Absolutely. So when I got this email, it was put together very well first off. And then he had two examples of other stuff he'd made and I watched them and the quality was unreal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Okay, mesh him back I said, seven minute vignette piece about me, this about the style, the mod stuff, he loves all that, let's, let's do that. And then I said, I've got something coming up. After that calms down, we'll do it. So I had the Cruzbit Classic qualifying match, got injured, meshed him a couple of days later and was like, Hey man, we've got to put it on hold. Mm. I've got hurt. He said, like, Can I ring you? So he rung me up. I said, Listen, what if I cover your entire rehab back to the mm. ring? And we thought at first it was gonna be in the sling for a few months, uh Foot will be better after a few weeks, and it will be three four months stops. Mm. And then as we get into it, we find out that through the MRI that I've got a torn labrum that I need that surgery repaired, and the whole thing kind of stretches out for ten months. Mm. And Adam, uh, the guy who done it, which is fantastic, uh, covered the whole thing, and it kind of we pick up that point where I got hurt, and then we go back and we kind of look at my entire story leading up to that match, mm. and then the rehab afterwards and the return
1: because you, you, you sent me a link so I could watch it before yeah. we had a chat um, and I'm not just saying it because I'm sat opposite you or because you're a mate but it's genuinely brilliant. It is really good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the way it's put together is is it, it's I love documentaries anyway and there's there's a wealth like we said there's a wealth of documentaries about wrestling now and this is it, it's what 25 minutes long it's, yeah, yeah. and it's just it, it's genuinely um, it, it's it's enjoyable to watch and you feel that I know a lot about you already, but i was still learning stuff about you. Yeah. You know, and I, I've known you for a few years and I know a fair bit about you, but I was learning stuff about you and it, and it just, the, the whole way it's put together is, is genuinely really good. And, and it is, it's a more interesting route into things because you really did have to face adversity to come back. For yeah, injury. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, the weird thing about that injury, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about it in a while, but the weird thing about that injury was at the time, I didn't realise you were hurt. The only thing that that made me think that you may not have been one hundred percent was you went to do a standing tune star and you 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 couldn't quite do it. Yeah, and after the and, and, to, yeah, yeah, and and that and that's because your ankle was wrecked. Yeah, <laughs> but the rest of the match is really good because I remember like I remember talking to you afterwards and you were you obviously you're distressed to be hurt, but you also you were annoyed, as most people are when they get hurt in a match, they their concern when they're talking to me, and the same with Sammy Callahan uh, during Super Strongstar last year, he got knocked out by Tommy End by accident during a match, yeah. and afterwards, all he kept saying to me was, was the match okay? And I'm like, no, no. are you okay? <laughs> My concern is, are you alright? And you were the same when you got hurt, you were you were upset, the, the match was great, there was a promoter, I had no problem with the match whatsoever, but your first concern seemed to be, was the match alright? It's like, yeah, now are you all right? Because obviously there's the famous picture that James Mossall yeah, took sort of yeah. if you sat in the the sort of um, the storeroom at the electric ballroom yeah. with you, you know, and to having to be looked at. And but at the time when I was, because I am still at sort of ringside, I never know if people get hurt. When Dahlia Black hurt her ankle, yeah, well, she, she didn't she, know she until back, I saw yeah. someone carrying ice backstage. And I'm like, oh god, oh no! Um, but I had no idea. I had no idea which one, who was who'd been hurt yeah. and needed the ice. And it was the same with you. I didn't. Realize that you'd been hurt until I went backstage because you were you know you were just everyone's so good Join every single progress show John will text me and say are they hurt because everyone who works for us is so good at selling we genuinely don't know someone. Hitch is the worst
0: man I watch Hitch's matches and think he's hurt every time <laughs> to the point he's going to get hurt at some time I'm like get <laughs> up <laughs> but
1: you're, you're really good at it Um Noam when Re- Noam wrestled for us Noam is really good at it you genuinely have no idea if he was hurt or not and um there's, there's lots of people who are just really good sellers and if anyone came back that, I was like oh god because at, at that point it, you know you're on the it's like you talk about in the documentary I don't want to give too much away about it but but you you're at the point of something quite cool with the WWE involvement and for that to happen it's is just it, it's a massive it's a massive pain in the ass, isn't it it's just
0: well it was more of the fact it was like the eyes of the world I thought were like was my biggest opportunity It was on me pretty much the eyes yeah. of the world and the eyes of people who I wanted to see my work as well in the hope that I could get a job down the line and I just thought to myself like I, I've ruined it, I've ruined this chance, I've mm-hmm. ruined this opportunity and thus I can remember just thinking the match wasn't as good as it could have been, like we, there were little bits that did go wrong and stuff mm-hmm. like that and I was just, just, they gutted and I think as it's, I was more gutted about that and as it kind of went on then I was like, how long to be out for? And that's when it started kicking in. And then after I think I'd left the venue and stuff like that.
1: Because I remember talking to you and thinking maybe you'd be out for like three or four months or something like
0: that. That's what we thought, yeah.
1: Yeah, and and it was ten months in the end. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, this is the thing, and this is this is something that as a promoter I I cannot bang on about enough. I don't I don't want someone to be injured and then come back too soon. And there's a tendency amongst certainly amongst indie wrestlers. To to rush back to fitness or try and rush back to fitness and and take shortcuts and whereas you've done everything and again it's documentary documented well in this video that you, you've done everything and, and have have tried to do everything the right way so you don't get hurt again because you could have you could have said oh fine I'm, I'm fine to wrestle now and, and most indie wrestling companies don't necessarily check yeah they'll just say okay it's not like working for WWE where they actually give you a medical indie wrestling it's yes. wild west to some degrees.
0: To be honest with you, it was... And I, I think he did it with everybody. So, uh, William Regal reached out to myself, Pete, after the matches. Mm-hmm. And I guess he would have reached out to Josh Bowden as well, yeah. after his. And I think it was just a standard me- of thank you. Was like, yeah, But mine was a little different because he knew I got hurt. Yes. So his was, he was saying, I heard you got hurt tonight, I hope everything's okay. And there was just one little bit at the end, he just said, take your time, do not rush back. And then at the end, it just he put... I love your style and look and, he was, and it wasn't real and I just thought do you know what I, he, he said a little bit my style and look I was like okay so he knows who I am he knows my stuff and he's telling me not to rush back if I, if I rush back and this comes straight back out again to a point where they're like you're done hmm. what is the point of coming back two months a month a couple of weeks early when I potentially now have impressed somebody who could in the future lead to bigger opportunities well he
1: the same day he messaged me to reiterate to tell you (laughs) don't rush back because um, going back to him liking your style and look um, uh, he's he's got a lot of Fred Perry yeah
0: he has
1: Um, uh, loves northern soul music Um, uh, he's yeah he's 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 quite the mod so um, not quite as much of a mod as you, uh, but he's yeah when you said that then I was like I'm sure he must be aware oh yeah good good I'm glad he is Um, so the backyard thing I wanted to bring up was so I'd seen a video of you backyarding. I think you might have put it on Facebook or something like that
0: May might have been Will <laughs> it, <might> even... <laughs> it may well have been Will probably would. have
1: you heard the story about Will meeting Dale who who makes the, the... oh
0: I know who Dale is as well yeah. so when he literally he ran over to me and was so excited <laughs> about this <laughs> But then when, so so like, so he rude. runs over and he's like, he used to be on the forum with Rusty. So I go to him and I like, speak to him and I'm like, do you know this person, this person? And Dale is oblivious to it all. Yeah. Dale literally does know, not know how much the, he started. Dale and his mates kind of started a backup forum, which led to another backup for him, which led to the bigger one that me and Will was a part of. And be, it must have been like, wives, old wives tales passed down to yeah. those, maybe like seven years. Dale has no idea that he'd created this backup phenomenon that's, to be honest with you I could list off so many people who was a part of that mm. and Dale was just like I have no idea what you guys are talking about yet yeah, me and Will are losing our minds well
1: because Will was introduced to him Will and Will had just won Super Junior <laughs> <laughs> and Will's going I think it was his, his his backyard and Dow, Dale's backyard name was, was Big D or something yeah, like that yeah. I think he was going he's, going he's like nudging me going it's Big D I'm like I know that Dale, like Dale's been filming me for the last two <laughs> weeks he's like he used to backyard I'm like you've just won Super <laughs> Junior's He doesn't change, (laughs) doesn't change. Just it was, it was quite beautiful. But um, yeah, I saw a video of you, and it looked like it looked like a ring had been set up in a field on a farm. Yeah, Um, and you did something very ridiculous off a bit. Well, I swear it was off a scaffold or something like that. Um, oh,
0: that would have been right. So this would right. So we started off in 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 Hitch's garden. Yeah. We used to build our own rings and stuff like that. So he found this. How organized the backyarders are. Um, they had somebody had figured out how to build their own ring. They then made a blueprint and put it online for everybody to learn how to build their own. Rings. Amazing. So we would then go down to a local garage and blag them, giving us fifty tires. They would deliver us to our house, and we would get fifty by because then you got forty nine needed seven by seven yeah, maths. Nice. Then we'd get then we get then we go then we get wood by any means necessary. And then we go to and we'd get mattresses, everyone's throwing a mattress out in a skip somewhere. We'd get mattresses, then the wood go on top, then we go to a carpet place and convince them to give us all the offcuts of the carpet and all the stuff. Again, deliver it to Hitch's house.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: And then we would put it there and, and put it all together and make a ring base. So that's how it started. We were known as the wrestling kids, that's what everyone knew us as the wrestlers. Police we stole a blue barrel once, right, for from a building site, like, because we want to jump off this blue barrel. We're carrying it down the road. We have stolen it. The police show up, right? And the police go, What are you doing with the blue barrel, boys? And we go, and we're about to speak. And he goes, You're the wrestling kids, aren't you? We go, yeah, he goes, it's fine, and they drive off. <gasps> because they just thought that we were going to go burn it or something and because they realized we were the wrestling kids they were like oh it's the wrestling kids don't worry, because they'd been called out because we made too much noise in Hitch's garden n- numbers of times That's amazing but that's how it started but the video clip you're on about is they were so well organized that you'd be watching I put we put videos up and then some other backers put videos up mm. and you'd leave each other like feedback on what you thought was good what was bad and through that you got you got better because it was it's peer isn't it peer peer yep. uh, feedback and to the point where you're you speaking to these people every day on, on backyard forums and then somebody goes, oh, we're going to do this big event. And because they're your friends from the internet, you want to meet your friends. Of course. So then we would end up travelling across the country to go wrestle at these other places with, with your new friends you found. This one guy, Nada in particular, his dad bought a uh, a ring for him, a proper ring, which I think uh, somebody might have bought. I think maybe Alex Shane bought it in the end. Um and so we were wrestling in a in a in a proper wrestling ring, mm. in the middle of the fields. And the clip you're on about, I think I do a front flip off the top of a scaffold, and completely, and when the scaffolding is probably something stupid like ten feet in the air, and I overshoot every single person, <laughs> <laughs> and probably should have exploded my knees. <laughs> it.
1: How old were you when you started backyarding? Fourteen, maybe. So, because to me, like, if I'd have known stuff like that existed when I was fourteen, totally would have done it. Like it it, it, it looks. Whilst whilst you have to do that whole "don't try this at home" etc sort of thing, you look, look at it and go, much fun do kids look like they're having at this age?" It's, it was it's tremendous.
0: And we recorded everything. So my my mate Brendan, who's now again he did it and now he's back getting into wrestling, uh, said we have our entire childhood
1: on tape. See what what someone savvy, i.e. you, because you're a savvy man. What you need to do is make a because you said loads of loads of British wrestlers backyarded. Right.
0: There's there's a certain one on YouTube, and on, people can track this down, where a certain ginger Welshman
1: <laughs>
0: wrestles on a show, and in the main event, a certain flippy Geordie man yep. does a red arrow, I <laughs> totally give away, <laughs>
2: off, ha- <laughs>
0: off, a, off a council cage panel Amazing. to a group of people on a golf course in Newport.
1: Amazing. It's uh, so... <laughs> So many of them. Well, you could make you could make a before they were famous yes. backyard DVD. Probably. Let's 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 me come me. in soon.
0: <laughs> I get on. Will he's, dead. <laughs> he's about to, be bound to have some money laying around for the distribution. Um,
1: so, you're 14 when you. So, when did you actually start to train? Because because people will say very few people have got into wrestling. People have have got into wrestling to a certain point by backyarding, but people still need to have actual training at some point yeah so how are were you when you actually went to a training school
0: so I think we were four I think I might have been 16 and I think we went there and we were we we, saw, we were going to go to the FDW Academy yeah. and we went that's where we're going to go and then our friend found out there was a school in Newport so we went there and we thought there was going to be a ring there there wasn't it was just mats like mm. everybody else finds out just mats and then we was like this is crap and then all of a sudden you start doing little bits and pieces locking up tying up mm. wrist locks and you're like well, that was pretty pretty fun. Pretty much straight after training, back to hitches, tried to just do everything we've just learned. Um, And then we just kept on going and going and going Mm. and and that's how it was. But the scene wasn't that great and to the point where Mark Andrews was in this class and he said himself that when we first showed up, he was like the top of the class. And when we showed up because we'd been doing power bombs and and, um, backflip DDTs and stuff like that in the yard, we showed up and started doing this at training. And Mark Andrews was like, you motherfuckers. (laughs) And he hated it. He he hated it. Because he stood out like Mal because the scene wasn't that great at the time. Him and Mike Bird were the only good ones, really. And so we did it and went up to the show. And then after we did the, I think we did one show or whatever, or we were supposed to do a show, and uh, Hitch threw up in the ring before the match started because of nerves.
3: Whoa, bless him. That sucks.
0: Yeah, and it's because they put us in a really dark room. Hmm. Beforehand, where you couldn't see the crowd, you could just hear all this noise, yeah. and he went out there, and yeah, well, and, and so the match never happened. But I can remember just coming away and thinking, I didn't enjoy that, that wasn't very fun, I'm going to go back to the backyard, mm. and we just went, and Hitch I think carried on for a little bit, and eventually then, he went back to the backyard, and we didn't do it again, we were just backyarded, and that's all we did, and I think that's when, like, this is stupid, and people probably a bit like, okay, he went back to the backyard, but we, it was quite competitive. Yeah, We had like, the forum had like best backyard promotion of the year or best wrestler of the year, and I wanted to win those awards too. <laughs> I did, and like I didn't. I'll be honest, I didn't. I didn't win that. But the people who did, I think to myself, if you got into pro, you'd be so, you'd be incredible. You'd probably be
1: signed and stuff like that by now. But but you look at there are. So I think Matt Riddle used to backyard before he got into uh, got into actually being a professional MMA fighter, right? Which is one of the reasons why he's probably so good a year and a yep. half into his career. Matt Cross was a backyard, was Yep, he? yep, of course. Um, uh, so, it's not... Well, uh, Osprey was, you know... Well, Ricky
0: Shane Page from America, he mm. was, and we used to download videos of Ricky. Mm. And so when I met Ricky, I was like the biggest... I was like, me and were just losing our minds over it. He's a nice dude as well. As and, but Ricky guy. then said, can you remember... I think it was like, H-I-W-A. And we were like, oh, yeah. And he was like, can you remember the guy with the Ridiculous German? And we were like, oh, yeah. He's like, that's Chad Gable. And we are like, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's Chad Gable. And we are like... No, so I'm really looking forward to like when I meet him. Or when I meet like I never met Neville, so I'm, I'm looking forward to be like just smashing. i was treating my good. <laughs> also,
1: a uh, bit of a mod. Oh yes, he is. Yes, yeah. yes,
0: he is. I've never, I've never met him, so um, yeah, he's
1: um, yeah, he's he's always uh, Fred Perry or yeah, furrowed yeah, up to the max. He is. Always... Um, he's yeah, he's he's a good dude. Um, what was your backyard name?
0: Um, <laughs> uh Nepom. Amazing. So it was it was Jekyll to start off with. So no, Jackal. Like... Jackal. It was Jackal. And he was have a move called the Jackal Lantern, and then oh god, <laughs> the Jackal oh, the worst pun ever. <laughs> Jackal Lantern. That was my move, and then uh... and then I think I was watching. <laughs> did you call him the finisher name before the name? Of, of course Jackal. I did. Of course I did. Um, who doesn't? Uh, and then I think I was watching the film Evolution mm-hmm. with and. I think, I didn't even know what it was but they said bring in the napalm and I was like that's a cool lesson and yeah. then so I was napalm and uh, Hitch was natrix and nice. we had a friend who, this is so bad, his name was Dan and he looked a little bit Chinese so he was called Danny Chan. <laughs> <laughs> he named himself. I'm, stay, I'm, stay, I'm staying off this. I'm staying up His name, he was, and there was a guy who was uh, called Oblivion we made a joke about this, his name was Oblivion. I'm like, it's not cool enough and he was like, Oblivion X. I'm like, Brillant.
1: Brilliant. <laughs> There's got to be a way of just. So I came up with um, I came up with a game that I did on a, a Tuesday night show ages ago. Um, I actually did I did a, a a tryout recording for for um when when it was called XFM yeah because um, I was a radio for ages and I really wanted to work there and um and I did a, a tryout recording and uh, I had to do like a prepared sort of Twitter game sort of thing to get the the listeners involved and it's one of the reasons I do so much on the yeah. podcast and I, I came up with the, the way you come up with your wrestler name. Which is, it's uh, either your middle name or the name that, um, if your parents have ever told you, they nearly called you something else. Okay. So your first name is either your middle name or, or, or if your parents decided they were going to call you something else, that's your first name. Um, and your last name is, is any one of your grandparents' surnames, as long as it's different to yours. Okay. Okay, so uh, I became uh, Daniel Garner. Not very interesting, but then you take your father's profession uh, or any parent's profession so okay. I was Daniel the Accountant Garner which you can totally see teaming with IRS in you know 1994 WWE like Daniel the Accountant Garner sounds quite good and uh, and I put it out there but there's got to be a way of coming up with your indie, with, not with your indie wrestling name with your um, backyard wrestling name and it should just be it, it should it should be just open a thesaurus it <laughs> that's it right there discombobulation man <laughs> I'm going to come up with the. I'm going to come up with the game, and I'm going to tweet it because I think it's good. Um, did you ever get hurt when you were backyarded? Because I know that's the thing that I, I think that the powers that be in wrestling. Like, if people are having, for me, and as a parent as well, for me, I look at it and go, if kids are having fun and they're not getting hurt, it's fine. It's when you see some backyard stuff and people who people are breaking light tubes on each other's heads and stuff like that that you, I start going, eh, I'm not as comfortable with this. Whereas. Watching people actually put in, to, and, and often it is—it's a—it's what a lot of backyard wrestling, when it's done well, looks like to me is opening matches on every Ring of Honor show in two thousand. <laughs> That's what we were going for. Right? <laughs> I, I was red, and it is looking. So everyone, everyone is part of Special K. Yeah. Oh like, man, <laughs> made over start. I literally we are right, Me and my had a team, and it was
0: called. You'll love this, right? I don't even know why it was called this. It was called Canadian Bacon. And we were literally special care. We would come out and pretend to be off our faces. We would do the worm and we would dance. I had
1: no idea why. It just reminded me of one of my favourite stories involving you, which is, um, you seem quite a clean living young man? Yes. Um, And I'm obviously straight edge, which most people know. We were um, while you were. I think it was while you were out hurt because we would occasionally have you workers do in jobs. Yes, us because you know we felt bad that you were hurt. <laughs> no, I don't know, know. Yeah, I, know. You <laughs> I, I was like, are we going with this? So, um, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I we, we liked to. We did the same with Jimmy when he was hurt as well. We we like having a wrestler backstage because we're not wrestlers, so we can say what we want out of the booking, but we can't make sure the matches make all yeah. much sense. So we always want a wrestler involved. And you did a great job with it took it. I, I think yeah. I said this to you. The last time you did it for us was how seriously you take doing it. But that's just because you you seem to approach everything with that level of professionalism, yeah. be it be it wrestling, be it your just, podcast. Just, be it, you just want just, to it. I up. just love doing things. I just, yeah. if you can do something well, if you can do something, do it. Yeah, yeah, There's no point. Like, no. I don't think I've ever stuck at anything I'm not good at. Yeah. If I'd have done comedy and I was dreadful at it, I would have not carried on. I used to work at Asos. Worst shelf stack in the world because I didn't care. Yeah. But, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're in our little uh, office that we have backstage of <laughs> the ballroom, and you're chatting to us. And John just and John's a man of few words. And John, out of nowhere, just goes, "Are you on coke?" <laughs> <laughs> to which, like me and Glenn, lost. I couldn't. I couldn't stand up. I was laughing so much. I was like, "Where the fuck did that come from?" And John just went, "Because your eyes are massive." <laughs> <laughs> and I forget. I think your answer might have been, "I've just got massive
0: eyes." <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I was like, "I was like, no, why?" And he went, "Because your eyes are massive." I went, they always like this John and he was like oh okay then and you two were in the corner dying sure you're there going I've
1: never done coke in my life <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just amazing
0: how uh, I just... Me, me and Hitch were out last night at ICW and I will he will tell you this I, I literally can have no alcohol in me and I will go off around the club on my own dancing like a maniac yeah. I love dancing right so we were talking last night and uh, somebody had gone up to him I think and said what's he on and yeah. he was like <clears throat> nothing and they go yeah right of course he isn't yeah but then he just went, somebody just asked, if you want drink. and I just went to him and went, mate, if I ever took anything, my heart would explode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I honestly believe that, because I'm already full of too much energy that it would just... You're, you're, you're like the characters in Quadrophenia, but without taking the little blue pills. Exactly. I am the little blue pill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, what was that? Uh, yeah, the backyard, did you ever get hurt when you were backyard?
0: Not, not really. Little scrapes, cuts here, there, but not really. Um, I should have took some really, done some really stupid things. How is your mum?
1: Because you mentioned that you sort of, your your mum brought you up, and uh, How's how your mum about?
0: She hates it. She hates wrestling. She doesn't hate wrestling. She she's funny because she could take her to shows, she gets really into it. She loves yeah, pantomimes, She loves she loves going to see her West End shows and stuff like that. So when you take her to see wrestling, she's the mother trying to hit people with their hand, with well, <laughs> a handbag, with a foam right. finger and stuff like that. She gets really into it. I see. But seeing me in the ring, scared because she thinks I'm going to get hurt, and I think she just wishes that I would get a, a normal job mm. and she's pushed me into getting back up professions and I've got them and stuff like that and to be honest with you I think a part of her when I got hurt after when I was okay yeah. was like now you'll stop mm. and then I was like no <laughs> I'm not stopping and so I never really got hurt when I was back out of there. I think I took a few like b- bumps that probably back was sore for a few days or yeah. my ankle or my knees were hurt for a few days but nothing really bad probably should have taken some way super bumps in backyard than i ever have in pro mm. and no being lucky really and doesn't go hurt because yeah. that's
1: the because that's the thing i suppose is if you've done that doing that crazy stuff it's also, also well, ages often on your side the younger you are if you're doing that crazy stuff the more your body can kind of recover from it and, and, and take it anyway
0: but I, but it's, it's one of these things is either catch 22 i even think that you do it so long and do these crazy bumps, your body conditions itself. So then when you are in pro, you're not as injury prone mm. maybe because your body's been conditioned to it. Or, I think Sabu said that your body only has so many bumps in it. Yeah. So then the question is, did myself, Osprey, Hitch, others who have come through, have we shortened, the chance of, have we shortened our careers in the long yeah. run by 10 years by doing these silly bumps on grass yeah, and on rig bases and stuff like that that weren't yeah. exactly safe?
1: when when you got hurt um there's i mean there's there's great stuff in the documentary about you uh, you coming back and, and taking your first steps back into wrestling and i and i knew that certainly when you came back to progress you you'd get a great reaction cuz in my head, I'd, I'd already when for anything. I, I work in when we're putting shows together. I work in what's going to get a pop and what's going get, to either get people to go yeah, or what's going to get people to go for fuck's sake. That's yeah, that's how because it's how I put jokes together. Yeah, of you, course. Put, you put a funny story together, and the funniest word is literally the last word you say. So I'm used to structuring something so it goes du, 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 du. tell the story, tell the story, boom, and. Um, when we put that show together and, and knew that you and Mark were going to come back at the end and, and, and the reaction that it got we knew it was going to get a good reaction I think it's interesting that knowing your nerves about uh, uh, about getting that reaction yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is quite interesting because I, I worry about everything I worry about everything Not not, but there's certain things in wrestling I don't worry about I worry about everything to do in my own career but in wrestling there's, there's things I, I'm always pretty certain are going to work out like your return I always thought it would but actually, taking your first steps back in the ring, how much more nervous were you for your first match back than you would have been for normal matches? Because it, is it in your head all the time of what if I re-injure my shoulder or my ankle?
0: I think I, I was. I remember like Algeiro was a big, a big help mm-hmm. for this. Once you get past the Spanish, um, <laughs> <laughs> and your <York accent. laughs> Um and <laughs> but. Uh, He'd had not the same surgery, but he had dislocated his years ago. Mm. And he was the one who told me, like the doctors first said, uh, you'll be in the sling X amount of time and then you can get back to it. And he went to me, get an MRI. Yeah. He's like, with the NHS, they're not gonna push for the MRI, get the MRI. Yeah, He was like, he came back, it dislocated again. Never six weeks, came back, dislocated again. And he went, get the MRI, because you'll know what you're dealing with. Mm. So I got so I had that uh the MRI and of course then told me what was wrong and I had the surgery. So I was speaking to him and talking to him. And he told me that after the surgery, he took a booking before he'd even taken one bump in the ring. Mm. And he was like, do not do that. He was like, find out when your first booking's is going to be. Or find out when you can wrestle. Yes. Take a booking a month after that. Yeah. And spend that month building your body back up. So I made sure I was down at Fightful Pro with like Pete and Travis. And down at Dragon Pro with Hitch. Yeah. And I was... Making sure that when I had my first match back, I wasn't scared of taking these bumps sure. because I'd already done it. But I had my first match, my first product match back was at, at Chaos. Just because they'd literally given, anyone seen the product, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a heel there. Mm. and I'm was, really good at it. <laughs> really good at it. Uh, so... They literally he went to me, I got hurt, and he literally meshed me, and he went as long as I put a mic in your hands, you're valuable to me. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. He paid me to come down and just do that, and I probably got better at my mic work during that time because of that. So I said to him, even though I'm coming back with you guys I went my first official match is going to be with you because you've been great enough to keep me on board absolutely so, totally cool. so he was like what do you want to do and I spoke to you guys about this and I said multi-man please multi-man so I can <laughs> test it out and I can see yeah. uh, and if I if I do need if I do get hurt I can roll out the match can continue and I don't hurt any yeah. I don't ruin it at a moment okay so I did uh, I did Chaos I came back it was uh, a multi-man for the championship in which he was so confident about how good I was, he was going to put the belt straight on me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's fine. And then it got announced, and I didn't even twig, but it was elimination, which meant it was a multi-man up until the last 12 minutes. Which was, of course, yeah. Which meant it was going to be a singles match with Mike Bird. <laughs> and there was a, and we would plan his stuff, and he, was, and he was going through it, and... That's the scary thing. It's memory. You're not using your memory in the same capacity. Yeah. And trying to remember stuff. And he was putting added more, and I was like, "Listen, I don't think I'm going to remember this." And he's like, "It'll be fine." If you're... Funny enough, he forgot something, and I called it him. And, I, <laughs> and in the ring, then I was like, "See, still got it." But I think I took a. a we had a spot with a crucifix bomb, and yeah. that was scary because he has both my arms popping higher than the shoulder height, taking a bomb, and I hit it. Shoulder felt fine. Big kick out, and I think straight after that. We had some other stuff, but my confidence was super high. Yeah. And the crowd, I think, reacted. I think all the crowd there, the people who were in the know, hadn't seen me do or take that much in the match. And when the crucifix ball happened and I kicked out, I think everyone went, oh, he's good. He's yeah. fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with him. So, yeah, I was petrified. But I think I did everything everything I could to make sure I was prepared for that. Building
1: that extra, like you said, that extra month in to yeah. make sure that you're right, I think is, is advice that everyone should take. Because... Again, there's going to be people who, who, especially when people it's their full time job, you you will get people saying, "Right, I'm fine to wrestle now," and it's like, no, make sure you're one hundred percent. You know, I never want, I I hate the idea of anyone wrestling for us who isn't one hundred percent. But as an independent promoter, I can't make you sit down and say, um, please. Our paramedics have a, have a, yeah, a full yeah. medical now, um, whereas you know bigger companies like WWE can do it. Um, <clears throat> but it's it, it's good to know that that guys like yourself will take that extra sort well, of... Well,
0: you come stuff. up to me after the return of progress, and you said when you cleared, and I was like, three weeks ago. And I was like, but I'm going to be... I'm not mm. doing my first match till then. And you just come to me and you went, listen, if, for whatever reason, niggles, it doesn't feel Absolutely. right, you're not thinking, like we can... We can change plans. Yeah. We don't have to put you in the first show. You can do another run in. And I was, I was very grateful for that because I think that took the pressure off me a there's little bit. N-
1: there's, there's nothing worse than pressure. Because I want... I mean, you've been in loads of our shows. You know what we like. I, I want everybody to be happy. And if we got a happy locker room, then everyone works super hard yep. and your product is good. Which is one of the reasons our product is good is... There's no one who's a dick in the locker room. Everyone gets on. Everyone works hard. Everyone works hard to make themselves and their opponent look good all the time. There's no one selfish, and I like that. Um, but at the same time, as promoters, you have to you have to be reasonable. You can't yeah. say if, if someone gets injured, you can't go, you can't turn the table over and go for fuck's sake. You need to be, oh shit, that sucks. How are you going to get better? Do you need any help with anything? And, you know, that's. It's in my nature as as a person to do that. Do so, you not have those moments though, where you go, "Oh, for fuck's sake"?
0: Because I think, like, I, I would, I would be, of course, like, "Oh, I'm getting they got hurt," but because I'm such a perfectionist, I've had these great ideas, and then the great ideas being snatched away, I'd be like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" For fuck's I'd sake. only
1: be like that if someone repeatedly gets injured because they haven't rehabbed properly. Okay. So, in the case of you, it's a freak injury. You then rehabbed it properly. That's fine. Yeah. If you'd have come back in half the time. And then done your shoulder again and been out for another three months. And then come back again too quickly and done your shoulder again. The the, the third time you got injured, I would have been flash seriously. And you probably would have been like,
0: I'll be honest with you, mate. We're probably not going to be able to use you until we know you're 100% able to to go.
1: And that's the only time I'd get annoyed about it. Most of the time, because I I consider most people who work for us friends anyway. I, I hate the idea of people getting hurt because I know... I'm self-employed as well, so yeah, I know if I, you know if I broke my leg, I wouldn't be able to do stand-up. Like, part you do sit you, down. You do sit <laughs> down. No, but I, I can't drive to gigs. Yeah, of course. So that's me. I'm off until I can drive again. Well,
0: that was me screwed because with the ankle and you know, I couldn't work, yeah. so I was absolutely
1: screwed. I want to talk about work a little bit. <laughs> um,
0: I don't think this is well-known. I really don't. I think, I think a lot. No, I don't think this is well-known at is all. Is it not? No, I don't so, think so. So um,
1: you, you are qualified to do another job. I am. Um, do you do that other job at the moment? Uh yes, yes, I do. This is like call my book Yes, no, yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yes, I do. Um, I'm going to answer this in yes/no questions. Okay. Um, no, 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 done. No. Um, so you're you're a teacher. I am fully qualified teacher. Yes. Um, what subject do you teach? Uh, so I've got a degree, as I said,
0: in fine art. So I'm a uh, secondary art design teacher. But I'm because I have an AS level in biology, I also teach. Uh, I'm able to teach science at the GCSE as well.
1: Nice. Yep. Um, I didn't know the science bit. Yeah, I knew yeah. the art bit. Um,
0: it's not a very good AS level, but it's, it's, it's enough to...
1: Because... So one of the reasons I wanted to be an English teacher was because English teachers were the ones who made a difference to me when I was at school. Okay. Because I wasn't a particularly good student, but they realised I was good at creative writing, yeah, yeah. So they pushed me in that. That's the only reason I went to university is because I had an English teacher and gave a shit. That's the only reason. I would never have done it. I'd never be a comedian now if I'd not yeah. gone through all that creative writing because comedy is just creative writing and then performing it. That's all it is. Um, but art teachers they're the cool teachers like art teachers are the really cool teachers Like so you're a teacher but you're the coolest teacher in the school surely the coolest teacher in the school
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much
0: <laughs> well it was the school I'm about to uh, so I was literally I, before I got hurt I literally stopped teaching right. I was full time it was like this is great then I got hurt Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't drive around couldn't get couldn't do supplies and stuff like that so screwed. I'm at the point now where I'm still again talking about being cautious I'm still on a limited schedule. Mm. I probably could be doing four four shows a week if I yeah. wanted to I'm not doing that. Mm. Just because I'm easing myself back in. Yep. At the end of this year I probably will be up to three or four a weekend but I refuse to do that until I'm two or three months yep. past my, my clear date. Pick,
1: pick and choose the good ones. Exactly.
0: exactly, on exactly. As long as yep. the brand is building and people are getting to see me yep. that's all that matters. So I'm not able at this point to make a full time living off, off wrestling because I'm not I'm not wrestling enough. So I've just taken a, six, a seven week uh, position at a school where I'll be doing. Uh, so this is the thing. So they like me so much at the school they've offered me DTPE and ethics, which is ethics is fantastic. Uh, it's
1: what it used to be RE when I was a yes, kid. Yes, it?
0: but it's more. It's more. No, it's PSE. It used to be uh, social studies pretty right, much, okay. right? But it's. They, they knew that I didn't want to get into full teaching because of, if you're going to be a teacher, you have to give everything to it. Of course. Be- and, and it's one of the reasons I'm not one. Ex- <laughs> one of the reasons I'm not a full-time teacher yeah. is because I can't give everything to it. I do not want to go in delivering a lesson that I have not planned properly. Mm-hmm. I do not want to go in not having to have looked or have any sort of passion about what I'm delivering to these sure. children. Right? So they like me so much at the school. They've planned it all. So I literally just have to read it and deliver it. And they said, put your own spin on it. And because it's, it's P, which I can do, because that's, 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 that's an easy one, because yeah. I, I literally I'm just playing referee on that one subject, ethics and social studies is you talking and trying to get the opinions of the children and their thoughts and their feelings, like we talked about suicide in one of the lessons, mm. which, is, which, and which is quite a hard subject. Sure, But getting them to open up and talk and their misconceptions and their thoughts on it like, you leave a lesson and you just feel like you've made a complete difference. Mm. Because I love, like, everybody's had that moment where they've had a drink with their mate and they've sat in the in someone's kitchen and you feel like you've had those world-fulfilling nights where you've just talked for hours. Mm. I feel like if you, especially with ethics, you can sit there and you can, or stand there, I guess, and chat with these children and get them to communicate back to you their thoughts and feelings. And after that hour, you feel like they might have taken 10% of that, but if those 10% is when they think, they see somebody who is feeling down and they kind of, instead of mm. them making fun of it, they understand it a little bit better, then I'm happy about that. But in regards to the art teacher, uh, I love doing it and it's great, especially when you see somebody create something and you're sure. able to help them do it. <clears throat> but it's, a lot of people go, oh, that's the easy one, it's 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 an easy one to do. Possibly maths, they have got mark loads of stuff, English have got yep. mark loads of stuff. Arts, if you are going to do, this, say for an example, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, uh, African masks. Everybody's is an African mask in school. If you're going to create African masks, you have to create the beginning, the middle, and the end for the, the, the pupils to yes. understand. So you have to create three masks. You then have to create a mask, which is the advanced, mm-hmm. the intermediate, and the beginner. So it goes to the different little levels. Yeah. So that would be level three, four, and five, probably, when it comes to key stage three. So you're for one class, having to create nine yeah. exemplars for that one class. On top of that... You then have to mark all their work every week. Mm-hmm. And that's just one class. There's a lot of schools who will ask you to make sure that every class is doing something different. Because they want a variety of artwork. Yeah. So that is, you're teaching maybe 25 times a week. That's nine exemplars for 25 lessons. Yeah. If you're not fully committed to that, there's no point being there. Mm. And I finished my BGC, I got it, and I started doing supply because it was easier to do that. Because I can't give 100% to it. Because... My heart's not in that. My heart is in wrestling, and mm. it always has been. So if you're not, I'm not going to give a hundred percent. I wouldn't want somebody teaching my child, who is not a hundred percent committed yeah. to their attainment. Mm. So that's
2: why I don't do it.
1: Do, you, <clears throat> how many kids have found out that you're a wrestler? Oh, right. So this school, <laughs> this... This Are we going to make this worse. Oh, yeah, right. So
0: this, <laughs> so, this, so this school, oh, this is a funny story from Saturday, actually. So this school in particular, let's go do Saturday's story first. So I worked NGW, but Lynn's on Saturday. Nice, easy one. This is my first two weeks back. It's not as strenuous as other shows, yeah. so I can ease back in. Uh, I'm, at the, uh, I'm at the merch table and I'm signing stuff, and a kid walks up to me, and he goes, are you my supply teacher? no (laughs) no you were you were my supply teacher no no I wasn't in my head I'm going I definitely was I wonder which school it was what school would that be Chase Terrace oh yes I
2: 100%
0: (laughs) he goes you were you attend English and then my head's gone you were a little shit I know exactly who you were (laughs) you were the mouthy one that had a go as soon as I walked in the class and I look at him and go I don't know what you're talking about, mate. And then he just goes, oh, I must be mistaken. And he walks off. <laughs> first off, I look how I do. So, so that's the first one. Secondly, he's gone up to me, is that my supply teacher? The Welsh supply teacher from Stafford. And I walked up to me I have the exact same accent. Yeah. So he must have gone, oh, it 100% is. And then when I said, no, it's not, he's gone, oh, fair play, mate, it isn't. Oh, I walked <laughs> away. So that's the first one. That was Saturday and the two trainees who came to help with the ring were behind me dying in and fix <laughs> So how he didn't trigger that. The other one is I was working at the school which I'm coming back now for seven weeks um, at and I had done... Uh, I'd been on Deal or No Deal at this point and... Oh God, I
1: completely forgot <laughs> about that. So we'll get into the, the weird thing about Deal or No Deal is my friend Mark does the warm-up for that. Yes, them. yes. We spoke. So, so he messaged me and went have you got a mate on Deal or No Deal? And... And you would kind of hinted that you were doing it because it's difficult. You can't sort of talk about it when you're but on I But they needed
0: footage off you guys so that I think yeah. that I messaged John. And, 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 me. it,
1: and I was like, <laughs> this is the best. When my worlds collide in the weirdest <laughs> possible way and Noel Edmonds is very short. He is. And he likes a boot fit jean and he's very short. And
0: he also wears shoes that are way too big. Yeah,
1: massive. There's a, There used to be drawings of him in Viz magazine. Where we'd have really, really pointy shoes. Yes, exactly. That how, are completely, completely, accurate. Okay. Anyway, you've been on Deal on it. So,
0: um, and <coughs> I've been l- I've been lucky that it's on at three o'clock. Kids are usually in school till half past three. Yeah, but then they'd probably walk home. It's four o'clock. It ends. So I've been lucky that nobody has seen this. Nobody's seen this at all. And then the day of my game lands in the half term. Oh, mate! So I show up to the school on the Monday. And the kids are losing their minds. And not only have they seen this, and they some kid has screenshotted it, and it's passing it around Facebook. like <laughs> Look at surge on Deal no Deal. But they're recording stuff, so I must have been when I had Nolan Armbar and stuff like that. And they now know <laughs> my... I forgot we stories. Welcome back to that. And they have now clicked that I'm a wrestler, and all of a sudden as well... I'm, I'm, I didn't twig, but during the half-term... I had a massive Instagram follow just started going up, and it was all the kids. It yeah. just followed me on Instagram, and so when I came back to school, and oblivious to this, just walked in, Sir, I saw you on Deal No Deal. Shit, shit, <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, right, cool guys, cool guys. Then one of them was like, You're a wrestler, and it was
1: all over the school, yeah, all over the school. But- I had the same when when I was teaching. And they found out I was a comedian. Not exactly the same, but but it- no way, but nowhere near as much exposure. Due to- <laughs> but
0: it was, and then, <clears throat> but it's it. It made it. It made it better because not not only was it when you if you about ever, ever had a supply they'll uh, you get a supply teacher and you go oh that's great we got supply. I was the one that walk that show up and they go we've got the Welsh supply teacher which the Welsh accent is very good. Mm. I've said this to Big Askins. It's not this is Rod Gilbert joke. He says it's not good for trying to seduce people like come over you're sexy. But it's great for stuff like oh look a bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> it is. so uh, that I think in itself made me a novelty act at the Kids and the Welsh yeah. teacher. And then on top I was the deal and ordeal wrestling Welsh teacher. So whenever I would show up at the class and it got me, they'd be like, We've got the we've got the cool teacher, we've got yeah. and it made stuff a lot easier because a lot of them would go, Can we talk about deal and ordeal? And I go, if we get the work done, last five minutes we'll talk about deal and ordeal. And kids when they when they want something, are the most motivated yeah. in the world. Yeah. So like you know yourself, clean your room. I don't wanna you're not having the PlayStation in the cleaning your room, your room is spotless within yeah. ten minutes. Yeah. So in that sense, yes, the the whole score I'm about to go in for uh, seven weeks. No, and to be honest, it's not a bad thing.
1: The, yeah, I I found it wasn't a bad thing when they found out I was a comedian because it you'd have people you'd have the constant you're famous sir and I go no
0: I have that and I go no I go but you. have but your Twitter verified, I got that doesn't mean a thing. And they got one. Well, See, I didn't have thing. that
1: back then, but they they'd still go but there's videos of you on YouTube. I'll be like I'll make sure they're all deleted because they got full of swearing at the time And then um I think I'd I'd not done Edinburgh for the first time, but I'd I'd like been nominated for a couple of awards. But you would be using your, you'd
0: be using your real name as well, so yeah. they would just be typing that with they that yeah. would, that's why people can find me because my actual name is different to my to mm. my stage name, so that's a little bit of a connection. It
1: um to, going back to Noel Evans because I remember you putting this up on Facebook. Um, so you put him in. You put you put him in wrist lock.
0: No, it was um, so.
1: <laughs> so this so like because he was not selling it, basically. Right, right. It. So this
0: this <laughs> is how it comes out right, so, Noel Edmonds right? If for anyone watching, I don't care, right? It's the Noel Edmonds show. Yeah, he is the star. Of that I've show. been to it to watch Mark Duval. He is the star so, of that show. Yeah. Noel Edmonds right? It, and he will try to banter and belittle the person whose story they're saying they're going to win millions of pounds or whatever. Right, two hundred fifty grand. So when I first came on, he would try to banter me, and I think a lot of people are very cameras people. Oh my god, we being from a, an entertainment background. He comes up me, hmm. and I'm just on him straight away. Yeah. And I think we did about three or four, and he he went doing one of the intervals. Come at me. He went. I'm going to stop doing this because I keep on coming off badly. <laughs> and, they, and they edited so much stuff out that I was on him because it, like because I just kept going. There's a great one. There's a great one where he goes at me. he Goes first time he goes. Oh, are you a member of Oasis? And I go, shh, no, I'm trying to get money for the reform. Come on, <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> and and then they like, get a big pop off the off the crowd, and but he from there, I think he went a couple of episodes and he didn't know I was a wrestler, and then he like the banker rings and he answers it, and the banker says he's a wrestler, and he of course I don't look like what you see wrestler general public they think Hulk Hogan, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm as big as Hulk Hogan, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm not as big as Hulk Hogan. So instantly he goes, you're not a wrestler. And I go, I am. Hmm. So he goes, come on, you and know, put a move on me or whatever, or do a move. And I was just like,
1: what am I going to do? drop, brain Buster.
0: What am I going to do? Well, first off, <laughs> that's the thing, that's the thing. I think to myself, I somebody look up uh, Jack, have you seen the clip of Terry, Terry Frazier on Would I Lie to You? I think it might be Would I Lie to You? And he, um, it's the thing where you come on and pretend to be somebody and they yeah. guess who you are. Yeah. So he'd been training Jack Whitehall uh, to uh, wrestle.
2: Yeah.
0: And they'd all been making fun of him pretty much. Uh, like, oh, he's my wrestling friend and stuff like that. And you can see Terry's getting really annoyed at this. Mm-hmm. So when they come over to do something with Jack, he picks Jack up and legitimately body slams him on the hard floor. <laughs> it's, I, I saw this because that gives him me this, and I winced. <laughs> right? I was like, Christ. So I'd seen this before I went on deal, no deal, and I was walking up to him going, I can't hurt no weapons. No. What am I going to do? So I thought... I mean, the temptation is yeah, quite Yeah, of course, high of level. course, of course. So I thought, I'm going to get him and put him in a wrist lock. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. So I say to him, okay, so if I take your wrist like this and I grab his wrist, and I think, he's going to play along, he's going to let me. <laughs> he does not. I grab his wrist, and I turn, I turn it, and he does not allow it. And in my head, the only person that was coming to my head was... <laughs> Dave Mastiff's going to see this. <laughs> and I don't know why it was Dave, right? And I thought to myself, I've got two jobs here.
1: Mm.
0: Two options, sorry. I either protect Noel Edmonds mm. or I protect the business. Yeah,
1: I, and you chose the right one.
0: So I decided to try to break his up. <laughs> <laughs> and I turn it, and I turn it into a key lock and start pushing him down towards the floor. And I keep going and going and going. And, I, and he's, he's in physical pain. And I just refuse... <laughs> The, the banker rings and I have him locked in it and I, and I literally turn and I've never seen the clip I turn and go I turn and go look up to the guy and then all says can you answer that and I just keep him in it until they tell me to let go and then during the interval he comes up to me and he goes you hurt my arm and I go you shouldn't have tried to hurt my ego and that was and that was exactly how it went up but when he came to my game because I'd had a lot of much rapport with him and I think because everyone else was so starstruck with him and I just didn't hit him mm. Me and him had a great time Yeah. because he, he was a bit of a prick to some people, wasn't it? But with me, I think he was very much just like, we're going to have a laugh at this. This is going to be a really easy day.
1: Because you can now say, how much did you win? Ten grand. Um, what did you spend it on? Okay,
0: so uh, it came in really handy being injured. <laughs> so that was that worked out perfectly. <laughs> yeah. So I never learned to drive. Uh, I'd always tried to, but it wasn't very financially uh, in a good situation with my mum and stuff like that. So I learned to drive, bought a car. Uh, not a brand new car, just bought a second hand yeah. car, so um, that.
1: Um, Which, is, this is the thing, I think all wrestlers need to be able to drive. Yeah, of course. In it's the same way, roads. all comedians need to be able to drive. I'm a, often, because a, a lot of comics live in London, I'm often astonished at how many of them can't drive. Yeah, And it, it, it's that's one of the reasons I work, one of the reasons I work four or five times a week is nothing to do with me being any good. Yeah. All to do with me, with me being able to drive and willing to drive.
0: Yeah, well, so I had to learn to drive, so I looked drive and then it was... Uh, I think yeah. Me and the girlfriend uh, Jordan went to Spain for three weeks, um, and then I think it, I was just being really clever of it. I think I was. I didn't want my grandfather left me money, and I went. I used that money to go to uh, to WrestleMania Thirty, yeah. and um, loads of people bought stuff with with money, and I always say to myself that I don't buy things. I mm. buy memories. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to do with that money. Every time I I went to Spain with Jordan, I needed the car. I got the car mm. stuff like that. But then it would be if we wanted to go uh, to or 7.30 or something like that, I would do stuff. So I just kind of bought little days out and little treats in yeah. Amsterdam and all these different things along the way. But then I got hurt and I still had this lump sum of money mm. left there just because I wasn't just going to throw it up against the wall. Yeah. So I was lucky, really, that I had that money because that allowed me to survive then for those 10 months when I was yeah. pretty much unable to work. So it was a, I would say to the girlfriend, I would always go, like... I wasted it, like I didn't, and she goes, I think how bad it could have been if you didn't have that. Absolutely,
1: it's, yeah, it it could have been, speaking of whenever I've had to take time off and there's no backup, you know, it's only now I'm a little bit older and a little bit more sensible, but five years ago, Hmm. if I'd have had to take even two months off of something, I would have been in so much trouble. Well, I was insured
0: even when I got hurt, well, I think my insurance had lapsed or whatever, so now I have insurance, so I have like, payment protection insurance as well, so... If I do get hurt, I will get a lump sum of money every month that comes to a portion of my teaching salary yeah. that I get, just and that's through to and stuff like that. So I tell everybody get insurance. Mm. It's not that much. I believe I think I'm paying. I think I'm paying twenty pound a month.
1: And, and yeah, you should be cheap. Twenty pound a
0: month. And suddenly, If I had this insurance, when I got hurt, I would have had two grand payout for the ankle. I would have had a five grand payout for the shoulder, mm. seven grand payout, and then a lump sum of money every month. Until I was able to work again for thirty or twenty or thirty quid a month,
1: I'm always surprised at that that's,
0: that's that's less than that's less than like a quarter of some people's bookings or something like like one. You
1: literally could sell two t-shirts and you've paid for your insurance. This is this is something that so I'll talk about it with both comedians and wrestlers. So I'm I'm in equity because I I'm a performer and you should be yeah. And I'm always astonished at how few comedians will will be willing to pay the seventeen pound or whatever it is a month to be in equity. I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, but what you it's public liability insurance in case you so you fall off a yeah, stage. Yeah, I've got that so, as well. Yeah. So, and, it, and it's all this, but the amount of people are like, ah, oh, but it's seventeen quid. It's like don't don't have one Nando's. <laughs> do you know what yes. I mean? that, it's just how I look at it. It's just have water one, when you go to Nando's. Yeah, there's more important things. Um so, uh, what do I want ask you next? Um so you got the teaching. Yeah. Um which is is, a, is a, it's a good thing teaching is a great job I, I've said this to a lot of comics as well it's a great job because if supply if, if, especially but it means you can you can do it a bit you can make sure you've got enough money to live and have a decent standard of living but at the same time because people seem to forget that having a decent standard of living has a knock on effect on how good you are as a wrestler if you're properly on the bread line and you've, you you know you're you're not eating properly and stuff like that you're not going to get better as a wrestler yep. you need to be able to look whilst it's brilliant to be able to say you're full time in anything be it wrestling, comedy, whatever you you still need you need some money, and you still need to be able to be able to pay your bills. You've got to yeah. be able to do that first. Um, but the great thing about teaching, and there's a lot of wrestlers who work in teaching. Yes, lots of them. Um, the the great thing about it is is you can decide. You can say, right, I'm going to go. There'll be a point where you'll say, right, I'm going to go full time, and I'm going to give it everything, my absolute all. I'm 100 percent now. I'm going to give it my all for two, three years. If at the end of those two, three years, I'm not signed to WWE or New Japan or wherever. Then I'll carry on doing it, but I can go back into doing teaching. Yeah, do you know, what I mean? and that's the great thing about it as a, as there's a job. A, there's
0: a shortage in teachers as well, so yeah. they're always gonna. They're gonna and it pays well. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a good paying job compared to a lot of things. So it's um, I mean, how realistic? I mean, when you think about your future, do you think about yourself at forty as a wrestler or as a teacher?
0: So this is this is this is this is weird, isn't it? Because. Um, you say that now and I, I instantly think of Colt Cabana and I think how Colt has changed himself from a wrestler mm. to an ambassador pretty much. Yeah, he's a personality. So I think to myself that, just, just let's just say that because the dream, the dream is WWE, the course of the dream, especially now the doors are open, wide open over here. Um, that's the dream mm. but just say that never comes. I'd love to potentially become that ambassador mm. and make money off being that ambassador because Colt could stop wrestling he couldn't and yeah. he would still be fine yeah and you, you've, got to, you've got to make yourself bigger than wrestling
1: yeah I think you're right
0: and that's why I think that's why would that's why I if I keep on trying to do make mm-hmm. myself bigger than wrestling so at 40 years old if I can't wrestle anymore
2: I don't need to
1: yeah and I the think there's you've clearly still got the love for it that's, that's never going to go away no you know I'm 40 next year you know, I'm I'm not going to stop loving wrestling. Fugazi said, "I'm not
0: going to stop wrestling." I was like, "Yes, one more match."
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm never ever wrestling one match ever. Uh, can't take a bump. I land on my head every time I try and do it. Um,
0: All the best ones do. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so um, one one big thing I wanted to talk to you about is is your your image and your your sense of style, which is because people will sometimes look at wrestlers and go, "Well, that's a gimmick," um, and some people do their gimmick. And then they go and get changed, and they go home. Some people live their gimmick all the time.
0: Mikey whiplash. Seen him at did the other day, walking around,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. White face paint. White face paint uh, <laughs> coming through the floor. Fucking <laughs> <disrespectful>. <laughs> um, but with you, it's it's a real thing. Now, um, how old are
0: you? I just had a birthday. Twenty-seven.
1: 20, right, so you're twenty-seven years old. Yeah. Now, so I'm nearly forty, and I've got mates in the comedy industry who, who are mods, who are a little bit older than me. Um, and we people. Mod culture and punk culture kind of go hand in hand, which is one of the reasons I've got quite a good grasp on on it. And there's bits that me kind of in the skinhead. There's bits that kind yeah. of cross over. Um, and I've always found I've I've I've, I've spoken to you about clothes quite a lot because yeah. it used to be my my, my job was working in the fashion industry. Um, and I I think the fact that you have and you mentioned William Regal being being into your sort of sense of style is is really really cool and a really. But when was. There must have been a point when you, because I have been mean, seen footage of you when you were younger and, and a teenager and stuff like that. There must have been a point where you sort of all of a sudden had your own clearly defend, defined sense of style. Because I've I've never had one. Like, I, I've dressed the same since I was 16, which has been jeans and black t-shirts. The only thing that's changed I've got more tattoos. So that's, that's, and I've, I've got less hair. That's, <laughs> that's literally, that's the only thing that's changed. I've dressed exactly the same. I'm wearing mostly like, van stuff today. Yeah. And I was wearing mostly van stuff when I was 16. It, it's, nothing's changed for me. Um, but there must have been a point where you you got a clearly defined sense of style. And and one would imagine, again, I've been seeing footage of you, when you in your early days of wrestling, there would have been a point where you went, hang on a minute, I can combine this thing with this thing. Yeah. So, I mean, what sort of music were you listening to when you were a teenager?
0: So, hh says, we saw so wrestling, especially when I got into it, it was new metal. Everything was new metal. Yeah. And I think that I will go to clubs and I know, I know all the new metal songs just because there's a music video in my head every time I, yep. I, I every time I hear like bodies or something like that. Yeah. All. And Hitch always says that we'd be watching music videos and then there'd be, there's a great one set to Stop Crying Your Heart Out by Oasis, Ring of Honor 1, just as Punk's about to leave with the belt. And it's good. I've great. seen it. It's fantastic. Mate, I know exactly what and you mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. And <laughs> Hitch will tell you that there was that one, there was another great one about New Japan, it was set to write out Chilli Peppers. Now the boys love the new metal ones. but then you have the ones that use the indie music mm. And they were the ones I really went fucking hell. Mm. My favourite one of all time, there's a Daniel uh, it was Daniels, it was Brian Danielson one, and it's set to Baba O'Reilly by The Who. And it is the best music video awesome. of all time. I, I don't also, care what anyone says. I also know this one. And go and look it out. It's called a dragon <laughs> story. It's it's absolutely amazing. And so as a but as, as a teenager. You don't want to. Nobody wants to be different. Mm. So I found I was different in the sense I like wrestling, and I was lucky enough to find a group of mates who like wrestling. Mm. But they love New Metal, so I I love New Metal. Yeah. <laughs> and but then the evil tell, tell you that some like indie music will come on, and I'd be all over this, mm. and I'd I'd love it. But coming from a not well off family, and I say this, but we never went without, yeah. but I had a lot of hand-me-downs, I never really went out and bought a lot of clothes, and my mum didn't drive, so we were in the valleys, there wasn't a lot to go cool. out and get your own style, so I don't think it was really until I went to university, if I'm honest, because yeah. I think I went to university, being from a single-parent background, being the first person in my family to go to university, the government went, The government you're a lot of money, mate, and I went, <laughs> I went oh, this is going to be a messy... And be a lot of fun, yeah. And I think that as that kind of went on, I then started experimenting and, and buying different clothes and finding my own style. And as that went on, probably second, third year, that's when it started merging in into the wrestling. Because up until then, all the money I had was going into going into yeah. wrestling. But back to the music, my mum's a huge Motown fan, so I'm a huge huge Motown fan. Excellent. Um, she just saw the Motown musical, and I'm so jealous. So jealous! Got <laughs> to see that. Um, She's a huge Rod Stewart fan. Huge, Rod, so I'm a huge Rod. I'm also, the, I'm also quite a big ABBA fan because of her as well, right? Which I, I, a
1: lot of people were frowned upon. but a lot of Motown. She, uh, she loved her ska music. Mm. Um, See, my gran likes ska music, which is why I like it. My gran likes ska music um, because all my gran's neighbours in Leicester were Jamaican, so she used to listen to ska music. That's and, it. And for me, that was like, oh, this is this is amazing. And in the same way that. Like, my uh, my dad was uh, did a mobile disco. Yeah, so my, <laughs> that's cool. My, that's so cool. My, dad, my dad loved the disco music at the time because he had to play it, but yeah. he also loved Northern Soul. So that's where that, yeah, that, that that's music comes in with me. But it's a lot of stuff I didn't... When I was a kid, I was like... Uh-huh. And then when I got a little bit older, especially when my dad used to start driving me to gigs when I was starting to stand-up, I was like, oh, we've actually got... I've got quite a lot of... Yeah, the yeah, sense. yeah. Like um, I, I, So last week, when we did the round for WrestleMania, we... Me and, me and Scribus Pip were talking about the fact that, um, because Progress is doing quite well, but Progress's subtitle is Punk Rock Pro Wrestling, we've started having the occasional dissenting voice that says, you're not, that's uh, not punk. Uh, yeah. So I, this week, I, last week I just said, just tweet me a picture of whatever you're doing now and how unpunk it is with the hashtag not punk. So how people walking their dog, sitting in a train station, baking a cake, and I was just retweeting them all because I find it funny. Um, but I'm about to really smash the not punk credentials uh, by saying I quite like Elton John, but earlier. <laughs> because my dad loved him. Uh, my middle name is Daniel after the Elton John song. Like, that is. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like my parents. That's, that's pretty, that's, I, I've seen Elton John live like 10 times. I've seen Mastery live.
0: Yeah. yeah. You see.
1: <laughs> There's going to be a point There's going to be people going No Off Well I think I put up And I know you're not a Phil Collins fan right? So me and Hitch Me and Hitch You're uh, the only person Who doesn't think I'm a Phil Collins fan After my wife and Rilling Regal Right so I know
0: you're not um, But uh, <laughs> Phil So uh, Phil um, Hitch is Hitch is the hugest Phil Collins fan right? And our friendship is Three things that we love uh, Wrestling Yep Phil Collins Yep Taylor Swift right those are the three things and there's a, there's a Phil Collins used to put it on the car and we'd sing along to it right there was a moment where I put his CD player on and Taylor Swift comes on and Hitch has got the wheel and he's looking forward not looking at me shitting in a brick like they, have, he has found out mm. and it's that moment in White Chicks where he goes I love this song <laughs> and we just sang Love Story word for word for on repeat for about an hour and but Phil Collins again from my mum and I think I put a tweet out saying about, 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 I love Phil Collins. I think somebody quoted it and said, heel Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is probably true. But again, my, my, grand, my grandfather loved the Who. Mm. He loved the small faces. So You around your grandparents a lot, weren't you, when you were? Yes, yeah. They, they pretty much helped bring me up. Yeah. Like my mum, my brother was very ill when, uh, which you remember my brother? I, recently.
1: Did. I met your brother in Orlando uh, Airport. Air yeah. Air Air Air. 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 By the strangest quirk of fate in that my flight that I was on was so delayed that I would have missed my transfer. So uh, American Airlines put me on a direct flight to Manchester, which is brilliant. Which originally I wasn't on because it would have cost progress way too much yeah. money. <laughs> so they put on this direct flight and put me on an extra legroom aisle because it was the only aisle left with really? seats in it. Um, and when I was queuing up, your brother just went, "Are you Jim?" And I'd had it all. I'd had it like all week from people. Of course, the high five. What's and it? I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah. And I got it was so nice that people wanted to talk to me. I, I've got time for you, see Mitch. I yeah, of course, time for everybody. And um, and he went, he went, I'm brother. I was like, this is true. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, he was... Because he doesn't look
0: anything like doesn't he look, look anything like No, not Ill. at all. No. But uh, yeah, so he was very ill. He's right now, but he was very ill when we were growing up. I'm sorry. And he, so my mum was in the hospital with him a lot, so my mm. grandfather used to come and pick me up and stuff like that. I used to stay with my nan and granddads. So they had a big, big upbringing, a uh, big part of my upbringing. Mm. He again, hated the wrestling. Mm. He, he was very much like, you need to get a real job. And yeah. and do you know what? It's not, he's not one of those people, like people turn around and say, because he's past now, but people will mm. turn and say, oh, he, he hated it and he, he didn't want me to follow my dreams. He was a dream buster, but he was a dream buster for, in his opinion, all the right reasons. Yeah, for, absolutely for the right reasons. Probably because he'd seen many people go off and chase dreams mm. and seen them fall and hurt themselves or or, or it not work out. And he just didn't want nothing for me. He wanted me to get myself a proper job and he wanted me to look after myself and probably as well to a point where he probably wanted me to start paying my way and helping my mum up yeah. more, which I always did. Always got a job. I got a job really early on, which I think Hitch was afforded the ability to go off and chase wrestling a little bit and I had to get a full-time job. Which really, really annoyed me, but it's was that it wasn't the ASDA one, was it? Yeah, it was the ASDA was job. It. Yeah, it was. It was awful.
1: Here. So I find it so hard to imagine you work. I know you're hard working, and knowing, and again from watching the documentary and knowing you as a person, I know what your work ethic is, and, the, and, and especially how important your family is to you. So you, I know that you do that to help out. Yes, yeah, I did. But um, but the thought of you working in ASDA is just it's it's so far removed from from now. The one. only good
0: time would be when they'd I'd be on the checkouts and they'd put up I don't know some toys on the side like it was just as Easter and they put some chicks up on there yeah. and he'd be like we're going to give somebody a £20 voucher who can sell the most and I would just become a market store salesman <laughs>
1: ready for a career in wrestling literally, the worst literally
0: just on it straight away <laughs> just as much fun as I could possibly have and trying to make my, the, the eight hours there which is agony as most entertaining as possible
1: um, I have to ask a style question who's your, who's your style icon <sighs> 'Cause I've I've said to you a few times, there's a comedian called Ian Moore yeah, sure, who is who's properly he's a proper mod, uh, a little bit older than me, only f- maybe five years older than me. But I always look at him and, and wish I was as stylish as him. Like he's he's genuinely one of the most stylish human beings I've ever seen. I always look at him and go, God, I wish I was as cool as him. And and is there anyone who does that does that with you?
0: Miles Kane's pretty cool, I'm not going to lie. My, Miles Kane is very, very cool. To
1: be honest, I think well, Weller,
0: Weller, especially back in the day, Weller. Mm. But she's,
1: Jam era Weller rather than style council Weller. Because yeah. he looked a little bit like he played tennis. Though. Yeah, he did. Very much, very
0: much. <laughs> Which I definitely tried to get up. Uh, the group I have down in Chaos, I tried to get them to dress like that and they were having none of it. <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: the minute you see someone with a sweater knotted around their shoulders, they should be taken outside and shot. <laughs> I was like "The point to it and they were having no
0: they were like no we're going to wear Fred Perry's." Like, ok that's fair enough um, to be honest when he, t- he's, he can be very scruffy but when he turns it on I think Liam Gallagher I
2: think
1: own's yeah, pretty great as he well does, he but does but
0: he, he does have a, you, some of your moments sometimes with him where you'll just see him and you'll see him walking around like Noel sometimes where he's just in a t-shirt and some Adidas trainers train well. but there's this great one and to be honest with you of him in a pinstripe suit and he looks the business. And when I was coming back, I was like, That's, I want my whole new image to look yeah. like that. So I think it might be Liam, because I think maybe Paul and other people, even though I look at it and appreciate it and think they look sick, it's, it can sometimes be a little bit maybe outdated, whereas mm-hmm. Liam's taken that style and, and made it new again and yep. made it more modern. So I think it probably is Liam
1: Gallagher. Um, so while you're out uh, being injured you started a podcast. I did. Um, which I think maybe started about a month after this one, I think probably. Are you coming up to a year now? Uh, I am. Um,
0: 35 episodes. So I think I'm maybe um, like eight, I'm two months away.
1: Yeah. Good. Cause <clears throat> I, um, I remember being delighted that you'd started it purely because it meant that I could listen to more of my mates talking to another one of my mates, which is, <coughs> is quite a wonderful thing. And, and I mean, it's a successful podcast. And, and it, my big fear when I started a podcast was I've got other podcasts that have nothing to do with wrestling that I'm involved with. And it's really hard to get an audience. Yeah. Really hard to get an audience. Mm-hmm. It's, not hard, it's not that hard to keep an audience as long as you put episodes out all the time. I found
0: that once you start hitting numbers, <clears throat> they just seem to generate yeah. and keep going.
1: But it's really hard to get an audience in the first place. And the thing that I always wanted to set Tuesday Night Jaw apart was I wanted it to be and obviously sometimes I'll do interviews like this like I am doing with you today sometimes I'll do the round table sometimes I'll just make lists I just want it to be a positive thing about the fact that wrestling's great Yeah, and let's be positive about it because it felt to me that every single wrestling podcast that talked about the latest WWE pay-per-view was people going well I wouldn't have done it like that okay well I have a little bit of experience running wrestling shows it's really hard it's not easy to write nine hours of television a week you know, it was, it was weird I, though
0: before I got involved with wrestling I would have been that fan oh me too absolutely hundred percent be
1: in the same way I would have been the same person pointing out that things weren't punk like i'm i'm like I'm, I'm I totally hold my hands up and say I would have been like that but and there's 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 plenty of podcasts of wrestler interviews of other wrestler mm-hmm. but yours feels it feels different and it feels. Partly because it's, it's it's mainly centered on British wrestling, but everyone else has picked up. Well, Cole Cabanas had plenty of British guys on yeah. you know, people. But did you did you sort of set out to make it sound a little bit different, and, and or or was it something that happened organically? I mean, because it it, it, it it is it is cracking, and people should. I mean, don't listen to it at the detriment of listening to this one. Listen to <laughs> both, both of them every week. Listen to both of them. That's what you should do. Uh, and I know what a lot of listeners are choosing Nigel. Listen to yours as well. So uh, it is. You know, it, it's great that. The minute you started doing it, I was like, "Oh, brilliant! I want people, I want people to listen to it." Well, no. I've retweeted it because I want. On the
0: flip side, I was in the midst of getting mine sorted, and you released yours, and I went, "Bastard!" <laughs> <laughs> and then to the because I didn't know what it was, I didn't know that it was. I thought it was going to be exactly what I do, like an episodic conversational piece yeah. with a wrestler every week. Yeah. So I got yeah. worried, and I think I'd done one podcast at this point, and I just went to hitch into my mate Brendan. And I went, "I'm not doing it." I'm not, because I would Regardless just degree, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not doing it because I just thought to myself I don't want people to A feel like I'm crowding the markets and I also felt, thought as well that you would have a bigger reach than me and, I, I, and if I was going to do something I was a bit like I want to do it to the best I possibly can mm. and then it wasn't until I think i said no I wasn't going to do it because yours yours had come out and then I think maybe that's when I got hurt and I went I think I need to do this now mm. I need to To do this, and I also realised that yours wasn't an episodic conversational piece with a wrestler every week.
1: I'll have a chat (coughs) with me. (coughs) I can't, I don't know as many wrestlers as well as you're going to know wrestlers, but also for me, I need a a hook into it. So, um, you know, when I interviewed Pastor William Eva, I knew I wanted it to be the first place he talked Mm -hmm. about his past. Um, Talking with you, you know, we chatted about this, and you know, I've wanted to talk to you for a bit, but with your documentary coming out, it made perfect sense. Because I know enough about my side of things from, from when you got hurt and, and, and progressing it. So it made it made perfect sense to talk about it. And I, I try and if I'm if I'm doing one of the Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episodes, I try and have them mean something. Yeah, of course. Um because otherwise it, it feels so the rapport I've got with you and the laugh I can have with you, I can't have with everybody. Yeah. You know, because I, I'm not a wrestler. Yeah, and it's course. hard for me to empathize with, with things like that. You are a wrestler. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and these I are, think so. <laughs> but these are people that you've shared a journey with. Yeah. And and what's what's quite beautiful is is it all initially it's people that you know really, really well, and it's gonna graduate to the times when you do have Paul London on. Do you know what I mean? Because because it's only going to go It'll much. just
0: be forty minutes of me find
1: earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes my you, hair is aflame <laughs> where, where did you, where, how did you get the idea originally to do it because I'll tell you how this podcast came about Scooby's Pip texted me and said do you want to do a wrestling podcast on my network and I went yes thank you very much that's how it genuinely it wasn't something I planned until Pip's life's started. hard sometimes and I still fangirl over the fact that, 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 I, that Pip knows who I am um, can but, I just
0: say that uh, so when we met Pip and I was like oh my god it's Scooby's Pip uh, I literally went to a few people and uh, my mate who was DJ. I went I met Scooby's Pit on weekend. He came to a wrestling show. Who? What? What do you mean? You a DJ? Got this mate who loves indie music. Met Scooby's Pit on weekend. I don't know who that is. So I literally just thought myself in my head, and he is a big, he is a big deal. In my head, I went maybe he was a bigger deal to me than he is to other people, and I was a bit like, okay. So it, I went about two or three weeks, and then. My girlfriend Jordan, I think I, I think I'd said something on one of Pip's photos, and he'd reply back and stuff like that. And she went, "Why is Scooby Pip talking to you?" And I went, <laughs> "You know who's Scooby Pip?" She went, "I love." She went, I, she went "His Thou shall not, uh, Thou shall not kill," isn't it? Yeah. Which is a uh, ten years. Ten years. Yeah. We just spoke about this. Was her MySpace music on her on her page? oh uh, amazing. So she was losing her mind over this, and I was like, yay, yeah, summed! <laughs> and she uh, like. And she still, at this point, thinks it's it's absolutely mental. To the same point as well that Miles Kane follows me on Twitter mm. and we've had a conversation. And this week as we well, really tell I, you about it. no, this week as well, he was going to come down Sunday to progress, but he's had to change. I'm going to tell you this: he's had to change his plans and go up to see uh, up to Liverpool to see somebody, so we can't. We'll get him there. We will. We will get we will. him there. But so so she's the biggest Alex Turner fan, and mm. they're in Lash Hour Puppets together. Yeah. So I kind of told her, I was like, I've been talking to Miles Kane, and she went going to become friends with <laughs> Alex, and I look at her in the eye and I go you're not becoming friends with anybody <laughs> <laughs> I do not trust you around that gorgeous man
1: <laughs> the, the thing with so like both when me and my wife met we were both big fans of Scrooge but yeah. so and um, we're both now friends with him which I, we every, every time we've sat on our sofa and I'll just go my life's the, the combination of that and, and people in wrestling that I've met my life is odd because these oh, yeah. people I've when I started stand up like and I was driving to gigs, um, sort of two years into my comedy career. It's I just listened to his album Angles on repeat all the time, and the fact that one day he came to a progress show, loved it, and then then said, "Hey, let's do a podcast." I was like, "This is nuts!" Um, and he even he even texted me today and said, "Make sure Flash plugs his podcast."
0: Well, to be honest, with you, so, I was I think I did a, I think it's promo again Triple X. I don't know how much of that stuff's around, and I use I, I use the line. Uh, some people see a mousetrap. I see a cheese and a fucking challenge, and I use anapomo, that and that's how much of a Pip fan I am. And uh, but yeah, when I started telling people, and people were maybe these people, these people are just ignorant. So this is not Pips Listen to this. This is no reflection on you at all. But but my my girlfriend's was just in complete awe over it, and s- still absolutely is. But to go back to our original point, because I, I waffle on a lot. Um, the idea for it, of course, um, and I think anybody who does an episodic conversational piece with a wrestler, and if they say this is not the reason they did it, they're a liar. Mm. Is Cabana? Um, is oh, spo- Jim Cornette? <laughs> 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 is, is, is Austin done it because of Cabana? Jericho did it because yep. of Cabana. They all did it because of Cabana. And
1: and I still li- I listen to Colt. I do as week.
0: well, and he's actually he's actually fine. And if you listen to my first seven, ten, maybe episodes. Probably don't go back and maybe don't even don't listen to the first two or three. Well actually the second one's good. Don't go back, don't listen to the first one, right? But the first ten, they are straight up art of wrestling rip-offs. Mm. I've got a band of the week, I've got a song leading into it, I've got a Michael dialogue just sounds like it's a rip-off. And then I think as time went on, I just started sounding my own voice, my own little catchphrases. Mm. Which I've been trying to do for years. I've been in wrestling trying to get stuff over for years. <laughs> I, I always
1: say to, um, if I'm doing promo training with trainees, I always say, don't think it's easy to invent a catchphrase. <sighs> Every single catchphrase is organic and happens by accident. All, all the rocks, Steve Austin. Steve Austin's the most famous one of it happening completely by accident. Him thinking of something and everyone going, "Holy shit, I'm going to repeat that." Yeah, of course, forever. and um, um, it's you can't just write a catchphrase. And there's nothing. And, and sometimes you can see, you can see wrestlers. On whatever stage, trying to get a catchphrase over really so hard, isn't it? It's so it doesn't
0: difficult. work. And I tried for ages and didn't. And then I think the one week I just said, I'm your host, or as I like to see it, facilitator. Mm. And all of a sudden, I had people tweeting the word facilitator at me. Yeah. And then I went and did... Uh, when I was injured, I went and did the announcing for Attack. And I thought, I'm just going to say that line. I went on tonight, I'm going to be your host, or as I like to see it. And 600 people shouted facilitator back yeah. at me. And I went shit, <laughs> this is a thing. And I was like, for my, I was like, for every scoop, slam, suplex, and gathering, I said gathering, they'll pop for gathering as well, and I was like, facilitator and gathering, these are the two words that I'm not <laughs> no over for. So, and, and when I did ICW as well, like, I came out and he said, tonight he's your host, we'd like to see it, and Bristol just shouted facilitator back yep. at him, and I was just like, oh, this is, this is a thing. And it didn't mean to be, it was just a cool little dialogue for me mm. to kind of remember each week. And then as time went on, it, they didn't become Kookaburra anymore. I dropped the band of the week. You get, and... you get, but you
1: get into your stride. When I was doing local radio, I was basically doing what the person who trained me to do did every yeah. day. And then after six weeks of doing it, I started just being me. It's the same. Is an example of it from wrestling? When we did Access, the shows at Access during WrestleMania weekend, I was ring announcing, and I took. We turn up before our first show there, and Rico <laughs> says to me, "You're ring announcing," and I go, yeah, "Fuck off, mate! Come on!" And he went, "No, no, seriously." I said, well, what do I do? Does anyone know I'm coming out and doing it? And he went, yeah, just go and get a mic off that bloke there and just do it like you do it at Progress. And I, I went out. But I'm don't just, swear. Uh, yes, that, <laughs> I think that was given. And I went out and I did, I kind of sort of, I sort of said, hello everybody, uh, my name's Jim. We're, I'm one of the owners of Progress Wrestling in the United Kingdom. Just here to show you a little bit of what we do. And it was me being polite and being nice, yeah. but not me being me. By the time we did it on the Sunday, I was me being me, and I was going out without swearing and saying, well, "All right, do you want to see some more of this?" And being much more confident. Yeah, of course. Because I was getting into my stride, and it's the same with anything, and, and podcasts especially. You're doing it every week. You're getting, you know, you're getting used to. It, it makes
0: it, it makes it easier as well if you have a, like you said, you had your line to come in with this podcast when we started. It's easier if you have a, a hook mm. and ha- knowing what you're going to say each week and just lead it in. And it's lines, so it's like, oh, I'm waffling. I can go back to this line. Yeah, I need to. I, I know where I'm going. It's like promos. I don't remember. I don't remember. I've got three minutes. I've got to get, I've got to say this word, then this word, then this word. It's you've got three minutes. What are we getting across here? Yeah. You've got to get yourself over, your opponent over, the match over. Anything else? Yeah, he turned on you. Okay, these are my points. And then I'll put a, maybe a little bit of lines, like I said, like from films mm. or movies in along the way. And I think that's why I do with...
1: Do you think being a teacher helps with this? Yes. <laughs> because, so I look at. If I have to, so the stuff I say at the start of progress shows is 100% improvised. About 10 minutes before I go out, I'll say to John, what do you need me to say? And he'll say, you need to announce this, do this, do this, and whatever else you're doing. And I'll go, okay. And I'll go out and do my normal thing. So the the, the best one I ever did was right after the Brexit vote when I did the thing about, I don't care how frightening the world is, everybody's always welcome here. And... And I just I just speak from the heart, but it's all just improvised. But I've still got that structure there because yeah, of course. And, and there's a big thing about when you're a when you're a teacher, it's all about it's confidence trick. And the same way if you're a stand-up comedian, it's a confidence trick. You always have to look like you're confident and yeah. like you know what you're doing. And you don't tend to most teachers don't tend to um and uh and it's one thing that people will notice listening to you, and this is no slight on other people who've been when i on the podcast when I've done the, the meets episodes before. But some people aren't that natural talkers. You're very good at promos, You're very good at uh, uh, speaking in, on, on podcasts and things like that. But again, having that teaching experience does kind of it helps you put stuff in your head in the order you need to say it, so th- you always look. I, I think to me, it always make, helps me look confident when I'm. I
0: think so. with me though, I think it's more. I've always been good naturally talking. This is this. So I was awful with girls for years, awful and awful with girls. And then I think I had a bad breakup with a girl, and I was chatting to this really good girl, uh, good looking girl at the bar. And I was I wasn't trying to pull just because I was just I was broken hearted, mm. and I said to me and she laughed and then we had a little bit of a chat and then she kind of like she's like I can find me later and she walked off, and I turned to Hitch and I went, I think I'm I think like I'm funny and girls think that's funny and Hitch just looks at me and he goes, if you only just figure this out you're fucking twat, <laughs> and I and I I think it was stuff like that that kind of made me realise that, I am I am. I am good at talking, mm. but teaching is because the first time I went in front of a class, I would just talk and talk and talk and talk yeah. and talk and talk, and then they'd go to me. That was great. It's it's a fifteen minute lesson. They've got seven minutes left to do their work. Yeah. I'm like shit. So teaching is really good at the point of it makes you not want to talk for too long or mm. gab on. And now now, which is great, I think I speak in sound bites. Mm. I know what I'm going to say, and yeah. I get to that point. And I do that because teaching, you need to get to A to Z in 50 minutes or sometimes in a five-minute starter and get their attention and keep their attention. And I think I was always good at talking, always good at formulating how I speak. But teaching made me have to figure out how to get there as quickly and as decisively as possible. Mm -hmm. And also moving out of Wales to the Midlands made me realise how Welsh I was.
1: It's, you, I think you do a similar thing to when I um, so when I was ringing Anthony in America for Progress I slowed down or I spoke because I know that uh, my accent to me is, is completely normal and uh, one of the reasons I get voiceover work is a joke I do about the fact I'm just generically working class that's yes. how I of it people can't place my accent if you don't know I'm from Leicester you don't know what's well, what my accent is um, but I will slow down if I know I'm anywhere where my accent might be construed as a problem but the Welsh accent, especially you know, especially if you're from a village in Wales, your accent is going to be. It's going to be hard for people to grasp when you move, you know, a couple of hundred miles. Yeah,
0: it? so I, I had to learn to kind of really slow that down. Uh, I might I've mentioned my friend Brandon on here. Um, he talks ridiculously fast, mm. and we've he was going to be on the documentary, but unfortunately, the, after he had his stuff recorded, the guy turned Adam turned and said. He just tried to cram as much stuff as he possibly could into a sentence, and that's something he's going to learn. He is going to learn mm. that in the next couple of years. That you've got to slow it down. And anyone who's met met Hitch, Hitch is a very he speaks very slow, but really thick Welsh accent. Mm. Hitch has he's very yeah really thick Welsh accent. And Mike Bird speaks really really fast. Mm. So I think that these last five years living out of Wales has made me realize I've really had to slow down. At one point, I was like, I need this Welsh accent gone. I need mm. it gone. And I thought I needed it gone because of wrestling. I thought this is gonna hurt me. And this is when I first started getting into it. And then you realise you idiot, the only reason they're gonna sign you is because you're not from America. <laughs> and this is this is this is why. Although
1: the first time I met you, because I knew you, you, you I mean you weren't as fully into I mean you was still had the mod gimmick, but it wasn't as she still had the, the, the scooter helmet and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But you weren't I mean your in ring attire was different to what it is now yeah. you start, you had the short trunks on and everything then. But the first time I met you, when you first started talking to me, I was astonished that you were. Watching. Hello, boy. <laughs> because I, because in my head, if someone's a mod, they're from London. Yeah. Because it's just it's just how it is. Or oh, Manchester. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, yeah. how did you? Where did the name Morgan Webster come from?
0: So uh, I started with Welsh wrestling. Yeah. Uh, Alan Ravenhill. Um, I had actually. Um, I had a. Uh, a sugar junkie luchador gimmick to start off with called nice. Frantic so he used to come out to the popcorn song
1: also just one, like, one word again Frantic <laughs> palms to frantic. frantic And that's what your autobiography yeah, needs to be called from Napalm <laughs> to <a> Frantic, frantic. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: and, he, uh, and he'd come out and he'd have he'd pixie sticks all over himself and he'd just get really hyped up on sugar and he'd run around the ring and stuff like that and then I became took the mask off because I could find it, it's very hard to wrestle a mask game. imagine jogging, your
1: peripheral vision it's awful
0: so the fact that Ray Edo is one of the best of all time and he wore a mask yeah. is, is ridiculous and then I I started being a generic wrestler and I literally just sent Hitch was, Hitch was wrestling with Mark Andrews at Welsh Wrestling and they were wrestling Lords. and I had this job at ASDA mm. and I couldn't get off Tuesdays and Thursdays when they did a lot of the Welsh shows right. and I couldn't get off Saturdays either so it hindered me but I can remember he was finally getting some other dates, like a Monday and a Wednesday, and I could, I could do those. So I remember sending him literally a, uh, a list of names, and in that in that list was Flash Morgan. Also in that list was Ethan Silver, which is now one of the... Which is, he picked that by himself, uh. bizarrely, and uh, he's now part of one of the uh, the tap group and stuff like that, but Alan Ravenhill looked at it and went, Flash Morgan, I like it. You're fast, and Morgan is a Welsh name. Yeah. So I was Flash Morgan for for years and years yeah. and years, and then I was almost Flash Morgan Weller. It was that close to Whoa. being Weller, that close. But um, I said, and this is Pete, Dunne, Pete, Pete Dunne's Pete ignorance to the mod the mod the, the the mod scene. He, I went Weller. I think I'm going to become Flash Morgan Weller, and then maybe Flash doesn't become my name. It's more of like a title, like Morgan Webster hmm. and and uh, well Weller. And he went isn't that the fat guy who won X Factor? <laughs> Paul Weller, he's the fat guy who won X Factor. And I went, no mate, he was in the jam. And Pete went, nah, mate, I'm pretty sure it was the fat guy who won X Factor. <laughs> or, the, or, the, or the pop Idol or something like that. And and I was like, well if Pete thinks that then everyone else is going to think that. So I literally, and
1: this I've episode, not thought of that Rick Waller. Uh, re- that's his name, I didn't know this, who it was. <laughs> that's
0: exactly, but that's, but, 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 but I, I didn't know that so I thought that's who it was. So I thought, oh, I, can't, I can't do that. So literally, I typed in to, into Google uh, British surnames yeah. and just went through them and was like Webster's dictionary Webster I could probably somehow get that into a promo Webster's dictionary yeah okay we're going to do that then it's going to be Morgan Webster so I've got the Welsh and I've got an English surname so that works Morgan Webster yeah let's do that awesome and that was
1: it um, before we wrap up I, I always like to make people formulate lists and, and answer some of the 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 more easy questions to ask um, in terms of wrestling. Um, this is one that just pops into my head. Your top five guests on your podcast that you dream guests that you can dream dream guests that you. I, know we, I think we all know one of them, Paul London. Paul London. Um, but who are the other four that you'd get? Chris
0: Daniels. Yeah. Big Chris Daniels fan. Um, I used to do the that when I was in the yard. I used to do the the last rights and everything. Um, and the angels still used to use the angels wings like I love Chris Daniels. Um, Chris Jericho. Big Chris Jericho fan. Mm-hmm. Um, some of his podcasts recently have been great his Roman
1: Reigns one was fantastic I listen to
0: him. I have dropped he has he has a lot of musicians on sometimes and they're the ones I drop off on because he's not into the same sort of music I'm into so I, and then I'll end up not downloading a few listen to them and yeah. then that's when iTunes stops updating it yeah. so I'll miss them so then I'm going back and catching up which is great so Jericho, Austin but my number one even before London
1: is Shawn Michaels oh I am God. the biggest Shawn Michaels fan in the world like the biggest you are listening Shawn we know you are <laughs> um, get in touch um, and then to, to sort of to your career have you <clears throat> we can't use Shawn Michaels because he's retired but any are there any current wrestlers that you've not wrestled yet that you are particularly desperate to wrestle
0: Paul London, and Christopher Daniels <laughs> 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 Paul Lund I feel like I'd rather Paul London on here and we'd have, we'd have a great conversation I always say this right I've, 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 lots of people book me against High flyers. Mm. And I'm like my best matches are not against high flyers. Mm. My one, people will probably say, what, "What's my best match in progress?" And people will probably turn around and say, "Zach Gibson." Yeah, I've been against high flyers. It's Gibson is the best person I've wrestled progress. Or the one I had with Kuzi other week was one of my favorites as yeah, well. Yeah, it was an excellent match. And it's always against bigger opponents. So I feel like even though he's not huge, I feel like me and Christopher Daniels could have a great one. Mm. And especially now as well, he's he's already done the promo that he's coming to the end of his career.
2: Mm. I need that and before he goes,
0: like, like Sean I would have absolutely loved Eddie Guerrero my second favourite wrestler Eddie like it upsets me just to think about mm. the fact that I'll never ever get to meet Eddie Guerrero so I would have loved that, that I should have said to you Brock Lesnar Eddie Guerrero from No Way Out is my favourite match of all time yep. that is my favourite one but to wrestle somebody I honestly can is probably Christopher Daniels I would have said Daniel Brown but of course we don't know if he'll ever yeah. wrestle again if he comes back in the Indies
1: Oh yes, <laughs> that if, is happening. If he comes back on the end, just give us a call. <laughs> just give us a call, mate.
0: And um, but yeah, a hundred percent would be Chris O'Donnell.
1: Who? Um, what are your favourite matches of your career? I mean, if you, it, it can be one, it can be a few. I mean, is there anything that that pops into your head of your actual, you know, if you had to make, and I know, you did, you did make a DVD, probably yeah. the best of your career. Um, but if you, if you had to sort of pin down a few matches for. For people to go and seek out to really see the best of you, what would you what would you choose?
0: That the natural progression final with uh, Zach Gibson.
1: She's one of my favourite progress matches. I genuinely love it. A lot What's
0: of people cool? think that the second one, me and him, is better, and I totally dis- me and him totally disagree. We we think that the second one has cooler moves, but the first one has the better story.
1: The three the three way between you, Gibson, oh, we, yeah. and Ospreys. Really, yes,
0: good. yes. That I also, that I, also uh, I, I remember when I was putting the DVD together. <laughs> I potentially wanted to ask for both of those <laughs> and I thought myself, you're not going to give me both of those. And it was probably easier for me not to get to get a non-main event yeah. from, from John. So I was like, I'm going to go with Gibson. So yeah, Gibson, check out the one with Osprey, me and Gibson as well. Um, there's a great one from me and uh, the Wild Boar from Eldest It's from Under the Mistletoe, so Attacks Under the Mistletoe, uh, 2015. Mm. And it's the Eld- Elder Fine... Elderstein final and it's um, night one yeah because Hitch wins that and then Cash in night two and we'd always had matches and we'd wrestled all from the yard I think I've, I've said that from the age of 15 I've wrestled Hitchman in some capacity every single year mm. and I thought last year I'd missed I hadn't but I realised I wrestled him on the camps on New Year's Day Excellent. and I able so the streak <laughs> continues <Really? laughs> but we'd always had matches and they'd ne- I felt never felt like they'd achieved anything better than another oh, good match mm. so we had one at at uh, Attack and we were told go out and have a main event yeah. you've got 25 minutes and we went out and had a match that we both come back and absolutely loved and yeah. it was like near falls near the end and everyone completely bought it so I say that's one I had some good ones with, like with Tommy End there's a good one at the South Side from Tom, me and Tommy and that shows that I'm able to kind of gel in with different styles I, I've seen
1: that match actually it is, it is very good
0: and uh, there's a good one uh, and it's good now people might watch this this one and they might go aesthetically there isn't all the flash and all the. Not everything is, is perfect and looks brilliant. But me versus Dave Mercy from uh, Pro Wrestling Chaos. So I did the big turn at Chaos. And I only got done the turn because Dave showed up at a triple X show randomly to do uh, a booking. Mm. And I was a face at Chaos and he was pushing me with a big face. And he saw my triple X stuff and just fell in love with it. And he said, We need you to use his heel. So I started. I did the turn. He was kind of involved in the turn, but the idea was not to go anywhere mm. near him. And we did, we were going to do a little tiny blow-off match. And then that became something else. And then there was some back and forth with me and him. And he'd already designed that he was going to go out in a triple threat match with the other two guys we broke in the business with. And they just sat him down and they went, Dave, you can't retire to us. This has become too big Mm. with Flash. You've got to go and have this match. And he approached me and he went, I think I'm going to have my last match against you. And I went... I know,
1: <laughs> and, I knew,
0: and I knew, I knew, I knew. It was like Princess I knew I knew, I, knew, <laughs> I knew, I knew, I knew that it was going. And I just thought, that was my aim, right? I turned on this. I never main event the show up until then, no. right? And I just said to myself, I need to get this so big that they have no other choice but to put us in the main event for his career. Yeah, and I and they did it. And there's a there's a moment where I think because he is he runs the promotion, he's the owner, he's involved. Everyone believed that. He wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And I lock in the strangler and I'm choking and his hand comes down for the... He's up for the... And it drops and it hits and there's 600 people in that building and you get a pin drop. Yeah. And I was like, brilliant. Yeah. And I and, and people might watch it and go, yeah, there's this bit or this bit and it's not clean you, but... So I heard somebody say recently money is made in wrestling from moments, not moves. It's co- and, which is 100% correct. And I 100% believe that. And... I think that there's people there like there was grown men crying because mm. they would watched somebody who they loved retire yep. and from that as well that gave me my first main event and it really filled my confidence and I've said this as well Pete Dunne everyone loves Pete Dunne he had great ears and I've had, a, I've had a great match with him with, with you guys and at uh, York Hall Rev Pro and stuff like that but I think I've been friends with Pete maybe six years and I've probably had three compliments off the man about wrestling <laughs> Because he just doesn't throw them out, like he's very you, quiet. You, very well, you quiet can man. go to him. how's that? And you go, yeah, good man. And that to me, that's not a compliment. That's like, yeah, it was good man, it was good. Yeah. But I mean, if somebody comes out of the way and says to you, that was fucking cracking, mm. and he came up to me after me and Dave and went, that was sick, mate And he was just, and he just went, he was like, that's the best I've seen from you. Mm. And to that, that meant the world to me. Yeah. Because and he did it again with me and Cruz. Mm. He came back and he went, saw bits and pieces, boys. He went, it sounded loud. He was like, lo- he was like really, really loud. Mm. He was like, oh, I can't wait to watch that back and because he doesn't give up his compliments willy nilly that meant the world
1: yeah he's um, I've said this to you before when we were walking walking around uh, from where I parked up but yeah, it feels like most of our shows now I just sit and talk with him for about 20 minutes and then ask him why he came into my office I'm like <laughs> did you come in for anything no I just came in for a chat I'm like okay because he's so quiet but I get on really well with him yeah. so um, you know he, he remember him explaining to me once going everyone thinks I'm miserable and I'm like I don't <laughs> I just think you're quiet well if you have you're... the
0: nickname young and bitter people are <laughs> <good.
1: laughs> old, <laughs> um, old and happy that's who you should be one last thing I want to ask do, do you prefer working because I've not experienced your work as a heel in progress but I've seen your work as a heel elsewhere um do you prefer working as a face or as a heel it's two different things. It's... I, 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 I think that's that's the right attitude to have. Is you should be able to do every good wrestler should be able to do both, and you can do both because you're a good wrestler. Um, but also, I think it's the difference between heel you and face you. Whilst you're still essentially the same character, the difference in your outlook is completely different. Yeah, and does make you two completely distinct people. It's almost like it's almost like having a good twin and an evil twin. Yeah, that's, that's how you should be if you can.
0: The only place I work heel is is Chaos. And that's journey because it, uh, it hasn't happened anywhere else. Mm. But I remember Spud saying to me, and I've had loads of advice on Spud, and especially when it comes to promo work, he said... He's great, that, He's
1: great at advice in general. Mm.
0: Uh, character doesn't change, the motive changes. Yeah. And he was like, Randy Orton is a heel face, is the same character. And I was like, okay, I get it. But the difference with me at Chaos is... I had a general gripe with chaos yeah. and I see chaos fans other places and I'm face and I will very much open welcome arms and they'll say, oh, I saw you at chaos and I'll give them a little bit of a scowl look. Mm. But my thing is my pro- my fault, my problem is with the chaos fans. Yeah. So I am exactly me. Yeah. But I was explaining this to somebody the other day, uh, one of the trainees, I think when he went to NGW with us, I went, you see your girlfriend and then you see your enemy you're not the same person in front of them. Mm. You act completely different. And that's minus. like when I'm in front of those Chaos fans, I'm I'm the more far, I'm stylish, I'm arrogant, a little swagger with me, but I hate their guts. Mm. I hate their guts because of everything they put me through for, in my my characters, head. everything they put me through for the first 18 months of my career. Yeah. But then with Progress, I go out there and I love the fans of Progress because of all the support I got for the matches I've had and coming back off the injury Yeah. so depending on whether I work, love working face or heel it's a reaction I work for a reaction and if I go out there and get the reaction I'm supposed to because of what I've planned or because of yourself or other promoters have planned then it's all the same to me it's all about I said it's 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 moments mm. as long as I get those moments and I get those reactions then you know you've nailed it so yeah.
1: it doesn't, doesn't bother me Um let us plug your things. So the things we need to plug are your documentary, which is out this Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, your podcast, uh, which is out every week. Yep. Um, and just your Twitter and anything else you want to plug. So the floor is yours. Sir.
0: Okay. So we will do the, we'll do the Twitter and the social media first. So I'm on uh, Twitter at flash underscore Morgan. So I think that's because flash Morgan was taken. So it's flash underscore Morgan. Yep. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash flash Morgan Webster. Also on the Instagram at Flash Morgan Webster. Uh, Then we've got the documentary, so that will be on all my social media outlets. I'll be going out on Wednesday, so tomorrow, on Vimeo, completely free. I've not asked for a penny. Um, I've not asked for anyone to donate any money, and I don't want it. This is just me, again, giving something back to the fans to say thank you very much for supporting me and helping me. As we said, it shows my rise up to the Cruiserweight Classic match. It shows me getting hurt. We go back and have a reflect of my career and uh, career, and then we have the full story of me coming back mm-hmm. to my return at Progress. So that will that's called the, that's going to be called The Road Back to Malice 25 minutes and that will be on all my social media outlets or you can go to vimeo.com and have a search on there yeah. and, search and I'll make sure I retweet it as well
1: in case people miss you tweeting about it.
0: And then of course the last thing which we've talked about in depth is the uh, podcast which is on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher or wherever wherever you get your podcast <laughs> from, and that is called Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. We of course, I'm your host, or as I let to see
1: it, facilitator. He's got that, and he? he's got that down. Um, listen, thanks for chatting, mate. It's um, you. You're on my. I mentioned the whole wish list thing. Um, you've been on my wish list to have on, so like genuinely grateful to.
0: We need yeah. to do. We need to do the reciprocation. It's very late. And- right, we'll
1: do that. We'll do that at a progress show. We will. Um, because you're um, you you know you're pretty good at actually having time constraints on yours whereas I just go fuck it just record for two hours <laughs> but no we'll do it I
0: did I did and then I think I was trying to do 45 minutes again trying to be like Cabana and then I think Ricky Shane Page meshed. At me and he went I wish that the Mark and Pete one had gone longer I really wanted to listen to the rest of it <laughs> and he was like maybe you should and then I think I did Jimmy Havoc which we hit a, an hour and a half I think he's still my longest one
1: so and- I know that when I do Havoc a- Later in the year, five years, five, it's gonna be five years long. <laughs> it's gonna be literally because we've been mates for right? ages, it's gonna be the longest thing ever. It's gonna be so much of me and him going, Oh, do you remember when this happened? Because yeah. there's so much stuff That's we weren't years. allowed to be friends in public for two years, so there's loads of stuff we can talk about. But you know, um, how, what are we clocked in at? just over two hours, it's not bad, it's not bad, it's not bad. So take a break
0: and come back to part <laughs> two,
1: <laughs> Thanks, mate, <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you again flash morgan webster for chatting to me for a couple of hours thank you dear tuesday night jaw listener for supporting this podcast and indeed supporting everything on the distraction pieces network super grateful that you do that it's very very awesome of you um loads of great podcasts on the distraction pieces network distraction pieces itself make sure you listen to that with scrooby as pip um also the new podcast to the network uh, hardcore listing which is genuinely excellent Uh, as well as uh, Say Why to Drugs and the Stop and Search podcast, which have been around uh, about the same sort of time I've been on the network for, uh, about a year or so. Um, All great podcasts, all heartily recommended. They all come with the stamp from Mr. Scrooby's pip, and we trust his judgment. I mean, I have no idea why he lets me on the network, but I'm super grateful that he does. Um, So check all those out and keep supporting the network. We're super grateful that you do. Again, if you want to point people in the direction of this podcast, jimsmormon.com slash TNJ. You want to point people in the direction of me, I'm at Jim Smallman on Twitter. I'm Jim Smallman Comedian on Facebook. I'm Jim Smallman on Instagram. I don't use Snapchat because I'm 38. Um, my website is jimsmormon.com. All my gigs are on there. You can download my show, My Girls. we wrestling company, progresswrestling.com, demand-progress.com for all the shows uh, that you can stream to whatever device you've got except a PlayStation 4 because Sony just don't want to make an app for pivot share I answer that question a lot that might seem pre-rehearsed listen thanks for listening this week guys there'll be another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw next week on Tuesday that's what we do uh, in the meantime uh, enjoy the rest of your week and if you are coming to progress on Sunday then make sure you do what everyone should always do which is just give me a high five don't even acknowledge why just go for the high five I will high five you back. Every single time, I might miss. I've learned the elbow trick now, but I'm still not great at high fives. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you next week.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Mm.